With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Darkness Loves Us, a vintage horror book club podcast. I'm Sarah Lopez. And I'm Tenille Bradshaw. And tonight we are coming to you with the Amityville Horror. Yes. We sure are. This is Tenille's choice. It was, book. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Tenille, tell me, how did you consume this work? Well, work is a... Yes. This, this, quite this a statement. body of work. This body of work. <laughs> well, I consumed it, I, this time... We were trying to read the paper book. We tried. You <laughs> the way that you said that was. <laughs> we were trying to read the paper book. Yeah, I wanted to read. I wanted myself to read eyeballs on the page. That's uh-huh. how I wanted to consume this. Uh-huh. Time. And, and you and I tell did. Me, yeah, you succeeded. I, I succeeded with putting my eyeballs on them pages. You did. You did so good. I had made to chapter twelve paper book, but I also came down with. A cold, a real bad. I think it was almost it was, beyond. It a cold. was a virus. It was something. It was something. And but you had like, your flu shot, right? Yes. But so, but it was still the flu. This is something else. I still feel I, like it was the flu. I know, but the only thing I say that it wasn't the flu was I did not spike a big temp. But maybe because you got your shot. Maybe because my mother-in-law told me she's wise, a wise lady, and she told me flu shot doesn't mean that you don't get the flu. It just means it won't be as bad and like the duration won't be as long. T- yeah, my titer wasn't built up long enough because mm-hmm. it hasn't been that long since I got it. Of course you know that's called a titer. <laughs> I would not have known that. But it's like your white cells. They yeah. haven't fought it. To, to you know, My titer had not reached its full <laughs> army. <laughs> my army's was low. Yeah. So. so anyway, I got sick and so when I was laying around the house, I'm like, I cannot read this book right now. And you will find out more why. Yeah. So when I made it myself drag my ass back to work after being sick, I went ahead and did the that overdrive thing, which is the free mm-hmm. um, library audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to it. So I'll just tell you, since usually we talk about the author and the narrator. Right. Just a brief narrator since I did uh, listen to it. His name is Ray Porter. Um, he was Audible's 2015 Narrator of the Year. Um, I will say he has a commanding voice, and he narrates a lot of books with masculine energy. <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. He's like, "Hey, everyone, I'm here." Yeah, and his, this book. his the books he his the books like that he's done is like the Cartel mm. by Don Winslow or Seal Team Six oh, Memoirs yeah, yeah. of an Elite Navy Seal Sniper. Oh, damn! All right, so now you can. You can ex- you know you can you totally have a picture, picture in your mind yeah, of how Ray Porter sounds. So that's it. So mm-hmm. I listened to the rest of it. Yeah, and that's how we did it. And I picked this book because everyone, <laughs> well, not everyone, because there's there's skeptics there. But it, this is touted as a a true story, right? And uh, it's supposed to be super scary. And mm-hmm. we've. 
I, now I haven't seen it yet, but you've seen the movie. Yeah, and, I love the and movie. And you love the movie the, from the seventies. Yeah, it's so great. So we were thinking the book was going to be so awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to give any spoilers. Yeah, we'll get into it. But, but I wanted to do this book because I believe it is a work of fiction, and we are. <gasps> you got to save your theory. Save your theory to the end, Danielle. Well, I don't want to reveal my theory yet. I'm just saying that it's a work of fiction. And that's why I chose it for our vintage horror oh, fiction totes. Yeah, it's not like a we'll tr- it's podcast. not like a true crime. Um, novel. Right. It's not like a, you know, what's the one? You know the one. The true crime. Uh, the, the Helter Skelter. Oh, I, I wasn't thinking of that, oh, but. Okay. Okay, let's play this game again. The know, other right? one. So um, not Helter Skelter, but then the other one. And it's like, I have a weird voice and I wrote it and I'm best friends with Harper Lee. Truman Capote. Truman Capote. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, in uh, Cold Blood. In Cold Blood. Yeah. It's I not don't a real know that one. Did you read that book? No, I haven't read no, it yet. I need but to. I know in the movie, he's because like, my, my best friend is Harper Lee. <laughs> I know Truman Capote was like a weird character, but anyway, yeah. a lot of people think that he might have actually ghost written "To Kill a Mockingbird" oh. under Harper Lee's name. That, that is a controversial I belief. Think that's, I'm, I feel like I'm going to call bullshit on that because I feel like that is a man's theory taken Seems away like from it. Harper Lee as a woman. How could a woman write that novel? Exactly, step off of our I'm Harper just Lee. Going to say that, Be- and I also think. because she was like a recluse and she wasn't like a person that was like. Hey, I want to talk to everybody about my book. I want to do she a press was kind of like for my book. Yeah, yeah, she was kind of private. So people assumed, well, she probably didn't write it then. Yeah. And not that she just wanted to live her life. Right. This is not the book we're talking about. No, it's we'll not. We'll get back to the we'll get back. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to choose and also it is also my little sneaky way too, which not really, but still to to pepper in some little true crime flavor. Oh yeah. You know, I like we're it. Yeah, true yeah. crime obsessed. Like yes. we love it. And then the other thing is it actually takes place over Christmas. So it kind of tied in with our winter, which is this, that was a happy accident. But happy it, accident, it's winter yeah. time now for us. Mm-hmm. And so that's why. And so we were thinking of these next few books that are going to be released in the month of December. This may also spill over into January if we keep finding books that fit our um, winter win- wintry theme. Mm-hmm. We're doing a wintry theme. It might not all be Christmas. Right. Or it might not all be um, New Year's or Hanukkah or solstice or whatever you celebrate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it might not always be holiday centric but it's going to be cold it's the winter time in these books so this first book just happened to be perfect because it did take place almost all over between christmas and new year mm-hmm. so like the week before christmas to the week after new year pretty much yeah yeah thanks for giving us the day by day so i'm gonna um <laughs> talk about the author real quick yeah just a little bit because he's going to come up later again mm-hmm. but i'm just going to give you the basics right now so jay anson is his name he is dead, so I feel okay telling you whatever I think about him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he was born November 4th, 1921, died March 12th, 1980. Here's what's a little bit spooky. So this book was released in, I'm going to look real quick so I can remember, 1977. Mm-hmm. Guy's dead by 80. Yeah. And he was, of course, 58 when he died. That's so still too young. a young man. Mm-hmm. I mean, not relatively young. He had one child. And he lived with his mom and the child. Oh. It's a little bit something there. But before he wrote this book, he was not a book author. He wrote, I saw two different quotes. On the on his Wikipedia page, it lists like 20 documentary films that he wrote. Mm-hmm. But then in two other articles, <laughs> I saw it um, referenced that he had written over five, he had been a writer on over 500 documentaries. Oh. Which seems excessive, but two different sources you know said what, that. You know what, though? That explains a so lot. much, right? Yeah. So much. Um, so I'll just read this little 
thing about him right here. American author whose most famous work was the Amityville Horror. After the runaway success of that novel, he wrote 666, which also dealt with a haunted house, and he died in 1980. His work, the Amityville Horror, was sold as a true story, which I'm saying in air quotes. I hope you could hear that in my voice. And <laughs> think about my fingers doing the air quotes. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the reported experiences of George Lutz and Kathleen, Lu Kathleen Lutz at 112 Ocean Avenue in December of 1975. The Lutzes had sold the rights of the book to Anson, who added and added to and adapted some of the Lutzes' original claims. A film was later made of the book in 1979, which exemplified these additions, and he died a year later. Mm. So <clears throat> I'm not going to go through all of these documentaries that he wrote, but there's just a few that I think I'll tell you about. Okay. Yeah. Um, Operation Dirty Dozen. Okay. Uh. Clute in New York, a background for suspense. Mm. Uh, Henry Callahan slash Clint Eastwood, something special in films. <laughs> uh, Lumet filmmaker, uh, Martin Scorsese, back on the block. Uh, the Hero Cop. It made me feel like when I was reading the names of the documentaries that he wrote on that they were like they were they're all documentary shorts and okay. there's so many of them that makes me think it's like the little documentary that shows like during the oscars <laughs> like, like a little like little thing even like that know that this little tiny thing was it's, made until or you're was, like oh dang they, he's up for an award on the oscars for documentary right. short or like even like when you're sitting watching the oscars and they're gonna about to give clint eastwood an award and mm -hmm. they show like a little quick film of his like career uh, that's actually a documentary okay. basically okay. and i think he's done some stuff like that okay anyway he is a an interesting you don't he's an interesting guy in some ways when we hear more about how this work came to be but actually about his personal life and and who there's like not much Nothing. to know he's yeah. like he was a little bit um like didn't make much of not a flashy guy yeah not ma not many moves on the scene so i don't know and i was just noticing you said did he was born in new york so like all his it sounds like his documentaries are very new york based yes oh yeah you're right you are right but he did die in palo and palo alto oh, okay. which Palo Alto only means one thing to me. Does it mean anything to you? Um, it means a Radiohead album to me. Oh, no. It definitely does not mean <laughs> that to me. But what it means to Isn't me... Isn't there a Palo Alto song or a Radiohead song called Palo Alto? I don't Alto know. Alto? I would probably not know, though. I, after Pablo Honey, I tuned out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my jam. I have a, a, a short Radiohead period, but after it's... It got to the weird Tom York puppet dancing thing. I was like, I'm just, I'm, I can't handle it. That was a rough it. period. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from my Radiohead no, period. Palo Alto to me, this is so silly, but every time I see it, I think about it. It, it is the hometown mm -hmm. of my two favorite fictional based TV characters, mm -hmm. and that would be Felicity. I knew Felicity was going to be it. <laughs> I'm so happy that was true. And Felicity, the, the best TV show that was ever made, stand behind it. Um, I stand behind that statement. Don't at me because I don't care. <laughs> um, Scott Speedman, who plays her boyfriend, mm -hmm. on and off the show. It's mm -hmm. a real tumultuous relationship. Anyway, they're both from Palo Alto. and then oh, they, Okay. But they meet up. They meet, and I want to give it away. They meet, but then they re-meet up again at school at NYU. Okay. But it's not NYU. It's University of New York. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to give you that little insight. Please watch Felicity. Okay. <laughs> So now, now that the fun is done, let's get on to him. Oh, no, I know, right? Okay. So now that you have explained to me <laughs> that Jay Anson was a documentary writer, this mm -hmm. makes so much sense because this book reads mm -hmm. 
like um, it's like someone grandpa's boring diary today. You know what it was like? The hog was. <laughs> it was like you remember. You remember Kavanaugh? Remember how that happened this year? That piece of shit that's on the Supreme Court. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This yeah, is yeah, not yeah, a political yeah, yeah, yeah. Con- podcast. Sorry for everyone. I just pissed we off. We have real but, feelings, but it's fine. But. Remember when they were, like, a lot of what was going on in the hearings, he had to read excerpts from his diary? Uh-huh. That was this book. Uh-huh. Today I went here. There was a party at so-and-so's house. It was like... My car wouldn't start. There's ghosts in it. <laughs> <laughs> there must be ghosts in my car. Because <laughs> oh, uh, it really does have things in it. And I'm like... I, like, I wrote myself notes while I, I'm like, can you believe that we're listening to this? Like, he's... Or... He's like, um... Just... What did I write? Oh... <laughs> Maybe we should like. <laughs> All right. But maybe let's we'll just give them a little synopsis of what's going on. I hate to re- take I, your reader in blind. Yeah. So I'm. I'm just. I just know that he just. We'll tell you the events of the book. We might not get into how this writer wrote because we're just telling you it is like today there was a dog vet appointment <laughs> and we took Harry to the vet and the construction contracts were due and the tax person is coming. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> The IRS. I need to reschedule my I IRS have to reschedule appointment. Reschedule my appointment. <laughs> I'm going to call, and then like what are the other? Th- okay. <sighs> All right. So let's just get to it. Okay. What happened? So okay. some background. Start at the beginning of the house. What is? What's the true? What do we know is the true thing about the house? So the actual true story that we know is verifiable fact is actually very horrific. Um, it is the story of Ronald DeFeo Jr who was a young man who went by Butch DeFeo, which is more fitting, Butch DeFeo. I did not know that until this moment. Butch DeFeo. And he was part of a family of, let's see. I think there were five kids. Five. um, 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, 9-year-old John Matthew. And he was 23 at the time. Yes. So five kids. He's living at home. His dad... um, Worked for a car dealership mm-hmm. or owned a car dealership. Yes, he owned, owned it. I think. It. Yeah, he owned the car dealership. So basically, they're they're very well off family. Super nice house. Yes, Amityville. Like this house was like five bedrooms, three bathrooms. Yes, a huge pool, sprawling house, boat house, a really nice boat house. Oh uh, yeah, waterfront property. Mm-hmm. Um, it they called it. It had. It was so big. It has a name. High hopes. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So they called that house High Hopes. Which is like a little heartbreaking with what it comes really next. is. So basically, Butch gets whatever he wants all the time. He's a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. They buy him like I remember him. They hearing about it that they bought. He got bought like a speedboat that was like fifteen thousand dollars when he was like eighteen or something. Sorry, you're being summoned. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, please worries. silence your cell phones. <laughs> it happens to all of us. So um, anyway. Basically, he's a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. I think, like later in life, he was he was diagnosed with antisocial disorder, mm-hmm. um, among other things. But so um, basically, he's not getting what he wants. He wants money all the time. Um, he works for his dad. It's like the dad's rich son who does doesn't do crap. Shows you know he works mm-hmm. at the car dealership. Right. I'm sure everyone rolls their eyes when Butch DeFeo comes to work. Right? Exactly. So, the other thing he had was a drug problem. Mm-hmm. He was doing he a was lot of drugs. He was kind of a screw-up, yeah. to be honest, prior to. Not only was he, like, um, like black sheep. Yeah. Not black sheep. What's that? 
Tommy Boy. Not only was he like the Tommy Boy that just like got paid to really not be like not doing any work. Yeah. Only he didn't redeem at the end. He was yeah. no Chris Farley. Um, but he also was like drug addict, drinking, drug addict. Yeah. Just like kind of worthless. Uh, true. On the flip side of that, um, but his dad. Was Not that drug addicts and alcoholics are worthless. I'm just saying he had no, no work ethic. This person, that was not, he wasn't, I don't know how much of an addict he was. I think he just did drugs because he was an asshole. Like, he just did drugs. Oh, yes, probably right. <coughs> I feel like I need to totally suck back in that statement no, I said because I don't feel that it. way at all. No, but we don't. This guy. This person murdered his family. He deserves all Yeah, he murdered his entire family, saying. so I feel like he's a piece of shit. So. Yeah, and he killed his little sister and brother, and he's a horrible person. Yes. So, but on the flip side, his dad would beat the crap out of him. And, yeah. But there was also, there was violence back and forth. Yeah. Um, there was a time where Butch DeFeo put a gun, pulled a gun on his dad, mm-hmm. fired it, but it, it um, misfired or yep. something. They, they would get spicy a lot. They would in mm-hmm. that house. Yeah. So one night, um, he basically, there's some speculation on whether or not um, how everything went down. But the family was uh, murdered in their beds at about 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Butch gets a rifle. Um, which is it's like an it was like an automatic yeah. air rifle. Yeah, like a well, it's not an air rifle. No, I don't. Like, I'm sorry, that's not like what I mean. That. Yeah, it was like a automatic. Big, long, yeah, automatically f- firing though. It's, yes. It didn't have to be reload. It wasn't like a rifle that you had to reload. Right. So we know nothing about guns. <laughs> well, I don't. Anyway, you might know more than me. Only I know nothing. Very, very little. But um, he um, got this rifle and he killed. He he began to systematically shoot. And kill every member of his family. Um, From the oldest to the youngest, all of them. All in their beds. Yes. The only... We talked about how this book is a work of fiction. Yeah. Um, but there are parts of this that are like, this is spooky. It is. It is true, and they talk about this in the book, that no one, any of the neighbors heard. Heard the shots. Heard any shots. There was no silencer on the gun. Mm-hmm. And DeFeo said that he didn't use a silencer. Mm-hmm. Um no one heard anything. I and will tell you something, that's though. That's crazy. It is crazy. But I'm going to tell you a story about my family real fast. Hold on. I'm nervous. So, when I was a little kid, we lived in a trailer park in Ohio. Uh-huh. It was just your basic trailer park. Trailers parked in the street. But this uh-huh. isn't like Florida trailer parks with elderly people in it. This is families. Yeah, yeah. Because I used to play with all my friends in that place. And that, you know, it was mm-hmm. like we just all lived in the trailer park. Was there someone named Sissy? I felt like you would have had a no, friend named Sissy. But my friend, my playmate was Sansi Ray. That is just as good. Yes. Sansi Ray. Sansi Ray. Um, where is Sansi Ray today? I don't know. But I if you ever like listen to e- this, I hope you're doing good. I'm not asking you, dear li- listeners, to stalk her. I'm just <laughs> saying that that is a rare name. It is a Sansi rare name. Sansi Ray. So, anyway, um, one night while we were asleep, across the street from us, literally just, well, I mean, literally, it was just freaking across the street from us. And uh, we live next door to Sansi Ray and that family. Mm-hmm. And then across the street from us, a trailer, literally, the heating exploded. It was like someone took a, a can opener to the side of the trailer. Mm-hmm. There was a toilet in the yard and a bowling ball. I mm-hmm. remember those two things distinctly. No one was home because they were out that night. Thank goodness. They had a fire truck come. Mm-hmm. Whole nine yards, sirens, police, everything like that. There was a lot of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. My entire family did not wake up. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, so that is believable. I was also thinking about, like, you know how people say on water, like, sound carries or voices carry? Mm-hmm. I, I, voice, hush, hush. 
keep it down. No. <laughs> Voices carry. Um, <laughs> no, but I remember when I would be in the pool with my mom, uh-huh. and if I was like talking about something like, you know, like something about the neighbors or something, uh-huh. my mom would be like, "Keep your voice down because water makes sound, sound carry. carry." And of course, they're on the water there, mm-hmm. but. Where they're located on the Amityville River, which I don't think it's really called the Amityville River. It's actually called the Amityville Creek, I believe. Okay. Because I was looking at a map about it. I might okay. be wrong. I'm not from there. Don't at me. Mm-hmm. Um, it also could have it been kind of seemed like it was a windy area, mm-hmm. and it was in the winter. So it could be that also there was just too much river and wind and other noise mm-hmm. that maybe they didn't hear. So it was November in 1974. So it was yeah. cold in cold. New York. Yeah. 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 I mean... So who knows why no one heard? No, that. no one heard. None of the neighbors on either side or across because they because the police. I read the, some of the police interviews and mm-hmm. there was no n- nobody knew. I mean, you could Google it. It is a big house, so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is not the most unheard of thing in the world because my family slept through an exploding trailer. So I'm just putting is, that out that there. That is something I never knew until this moment. Well, Toilet in the yard. I honestly, I just remembered it when I was thinking about how could they not hear shots. Yeah. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I remember this. This was um, Mansfield, Ohio. Right. And, like, I just remember. Oh, that's not where I thought you lived. Well, I was born in Mansfield. Oh. We lived in two towns in Ohio. Okay. Elyria. Elyria. Elyria, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the one I lived in probably the longest, I think. Because they have, like, some cookies there or something, right? Yeah. Lawson's. Lawson's. Bakery. Yeah. Pink cookies. Yeah. Also, Jones's Potato Chips. Any If there's any Ohio people in there, Jones's Potato Chips is where it's at. Huh. So, um, Lawson's is closed now, but I think someone still makes the cookies. Uh, anyway. Yes. So, it is possible. Yeah. So, he kills his whole family. Yes. And then he goes about his day. Yeah. So, he takes a shower. Yeah, he shaves, gets, combs his sweet-ass 70s beard and his long hair. God, I did not want to like his 70s beard, but I, I know. I, I love all... I don't... If you're, even if you're beards, a murderer, damn. I still love your 70s beard. Yeah. I mean, dang. Dang, I know. I, I hate that Son I like the looks of him. I know, right? God, it's the worst. So, Stupid he murderer. goes to work. Everything is, like, all normal. Yeah. He goes... And the weird thing, though, everybody was like, um, hmm... Because he shows up at work at, like, 6.30 in the morning. Right, and they're and like, you're like, never yeah, on time. you're the fuck up. You're not showing up at right. 6.30 in the morning right. to be like, hey, guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, that's kind of weird. And then... And where's your dad? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's going on? He's like, I don't know. They were sleeping when I left. Whatever. Right. He's like Mr. Casual. hmm And then he goes to work, and then he goes to a bar... The, his hangout bar yeah. afterwards. Harry's. Mm-hmm. Harry's bar, Harry's tavern, one of the Something two. Something like that. He makes It was, a like, show. actually right down across. It was, like, right down the street from their house. Yeah. So it was, like, his local. His hangout. And I was always, I I don't have a local like that close to my house. I really wish I did. I know. Me too. I, like, when, that's the only one thing I was reading this book when they talk about, that, like, George, after he after work, pops into the bar, just have a couple beers, then goes back home. I know. I wish so I could have that know? situation without having to, like, go to, like, a downtown you know what I mean? drive somewhere just like you're like like you're local but yeah. i just don't live in a walkable area so no me either so anyway anyway so um yeah so he, the other thing about the other eerie thing which before we go on with his day was everyone was found face down that was the other except s- for the mom except for the mom mm-hmm. and everyone's like how could they all be sleeping on their stomachs or how could they be in this position yeah well i found an article two articles that state from 1974 from the New York Times 
November 18, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr., the 23-year-old auto mechanic who is accused of murdering his parents and four brothers and sisters, has reportedly told the police that he administered heavy doses of barbiturates to his family on the night they were killed. According to law enforcement officials, the sleep-inducing drugs were added to the family dinner as it was being prepared last Tuesday night at the DeFeo home. Um, it says he, Mr. DeFeo, reportedly indicated this during his 20-hour interrogation. Dang, that's a long-ass mm-hmm. interrogation. Last week by the Suffolk County Police following his that's call also, to them. God, you know, you don't want to give this guy any benefit of the no. doubt whatsoever, but a 20-hour interrogation is a lot. not best practice. No, But that was the 70s. That's what they yeah. did. But anyway, that's my thought yes. is... There's been some discussion whether or not he was drugged or not. Um, it says that he was under a special narcotics probation mm-hmm. when he did this. Um, so he had kind of this stuff. Um, it says his last last April before the incident, his girlfriend turned him in as a drug user, and he got probation for it. That's cold. Cold-hearted yeah. of her. Yeah, I'm sure he was an awesome boyfriend, though, He was probably right? the best. Um, also, <laughs> to... When you're Googling this to look at what he looks like and to see the house, be very cautious. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're a, a person that is a sensitive type person, I was not prepared that the crime scene photos are readily available and will come up if you just Google his name. See, and I think because you used a Google Chrome and you have yeah. those side pictures, that's mm-hmm. what happened. I, I used they were Firefox, right there. and it's not like that. So oh, I the didn't fox see protected you. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Google Chrome did not protect me, so I looked. I wanted to see, because there's one part in the book, which we'll explain later, but the new people that living in the house, the husband is described as looking very much like Ronald DeFeo. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to look, Junior, and so I wanted to look him up and see, do they, do they really look alike? And so, yes, they do, but immediately all those crime scene photos came up on the side, and... I don't know why why they have been why they were released like that. Just we like that a lot after a case. Oh, is, I mean, it was crazy. It's a dark place out there, and, and the, then I couldn't in the help interwebs it. because I couldn't help but look I at know. them. No, I, I, I do the same thing. You have to once that once you've opened that <sighs> can of worms, you got to look at it. No, I'm the same way. It's I would look at every one of them. I can't help yeah. it. So <laughs> he uh, obviously has a trial. He's found guilty. Mm-hmm. He gets six consecutive life sentences. Mm-hmm. So not concurrent, but consecutive. So the guy's, like, never getting out. He's still in jail. He's not dead. Right. He's not dead. He did not get death penalty, but mm-hmm. he did get seven, I mean, sorry, six consecutive life sentences. Mm-hmm. And he is now in jail. Yes. So now, here's the weird thing, though. And I know you're probably going to get into this a little bit deeper. But um, in looking for a... Um, motive for mm-hmm. the crime. I mean, really, could only thing we could figure out, and really, basically, the only thing the cops and everything figured out was just that he was a huge brat mm-hmm. and that he was a little bit greedy. He wanted money. He wanted money. There was something I remember, but he was somewhere. also throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, it was like both, and he didn't want to split the money with his brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. He's changed his story so many times. Mm-hmm. Oh my! I came home and my sister was killing my, our family, so I had to kill her. Mm-hmm. Just like terrible stuff. He's been married three different times in jail. Great. Just and one of them, the one of the women that he married. Um, he actually was using her as an alibi 
but had wanted to be married and and told her to say like oh we got married in like 1974 oh. or whatever but really they hadn't married to like 83 mm. while he was already in jail in so jail. then she got and she was like well yeah well he was making me say this that and the other he's just real and so obviously he continues to have his parole denied because of all this shady shit yeah and also he's just not really that smart I no mean. he isn't so the other thing is is that the ne- you know after the next I'm sorry to interrupt you but I forgot what I was going to tell you about that so what they, it, when he was in jail, mm-hmm. um, basically they had this huge conundrum because he still would be the person that would be the only beneficiary. Uh-huh. So when that they was, sold the house, yeah. he still was the beneficiary. Yeah. Of the money. Of the money. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. I know. That's, I just had to tell to you that. To me was, because that makes sense, because then that would motivate him. If I just kill my family, I'm going to get all the, I'm going to get the house. I might money. go to jail for a little bit, but. So, spin it back a little bit more before he gets, he does get his sentence and everything. There, like, in his mind, he had hatched his plan. So, because he tries to say, which we'll go into more later, but that he heard voices mm-hmm. and demonic voices were telling him to do it. Right. But what really went down is he had hatched a plan in his mind mm-hmm. that he wanted the insurance money in the house. He wanted all the money, so he's just going to kill his family. Mm-hmm. And because of his dad, they're very Italian. His dad supposedly had some kind of connection they to had, the mafia or to the mob. I think it was the a cousin or a, a brother-in-law yeah, a real of sideways. the wife. Okay. They were Italian, husband and wife, both Italian. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, I mean, in, they New live York, in Long Island, so, New York. Yeah. And if you have like a community that's a smaller community, and you have a big families within that community, chances are someone's sideway cousin connected. is going to be connected yeah. to someone somewhere. Right. So I'm sure that's a real Donny Brasco. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> In his mind, his plan was he was he claimed when they first started to interrogate him that a mob hitman named Louis Fellini had killed his family, and so that person is the person that was really related to them. But it was like way down. Yeah, yeah. but he, but at first the police were like, "Oh no," because that made sense to them. Yeah, and they were like, "Let's put you in protective custody," and that's what they first did. But then it all that's and then it began to unravel. Like, I wait think a minute, that once Louis they started, Fellini could prove that he was out of the country. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was they just started walking the DeFeo house, collecting you know mm-hmm. uh, evidence. More and more, p- a clearer picture was made. So him saying voices made me do it is bullshit. He is just a piece of crap who wanted a bunch of money and concocted a story on how he was going to yeah. he survived because he wasn't home. Right. That was his thing. So. Let's not spend any more time on that piece of crap. Total piece of crap, yep. So that's where the big, bad, ugly, scary story, um, that's the origin. Yes. So the Amityville Horror takes us to, um, let's see, what year did they move in? 1975? Mm, let me look. Let me look. I have it in fr- Yes, okay. Is it 75 or so 77? the Lutz family moved in December 19th, 1975. Okay. So one of the things that was creepy about it was when they were moving, they're a new, newlywed couple. Um, Kathleen DeFeo... Uh, Cla- let me go back. Let me switch names now. We're in the Lutz family now. We left the DeFeos. Okay. So Kathleen Lutz married George Lutz, mm-hmm. and she had three children with, from a previous... I don't know, husband or boyfriend. I don't know. I don't they say it, he hadn't, he died? I don't know. I don't remember. 
don't remember he's what not in him. the picture at all no so maybe they're, he did die. They're, um, yeah, I think he did. Because he doesn't he did. have any no. contact or mm-hmm. anything. No. So basically, George married Kathleen. He very much loved her. He loved her kids. And he stepped in. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon the kids were calling him dad. Mm-hmm. And they're just a nice little normal family mm-hmm. making it in the world. George has a construction business that he inherited inherited from his dad. Sur- yeah, land surveying. Like surveying. Mm-hmm. Part, and like they have construction contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Kathleen, she is a stay-at-home mom. The two boys, they've got um, Chris and Danny, mm-hmm. and the daughter's I name have is ages Missy and Missy. Yeah, I know Missy was five. <laughs> so when they moved in, they were well. They fell in love with the house, and it was only eighty thousand dollars for this time right. and the size of the house. Is it would be considered around three hundred fifty thousand dollars today? Right, which would is a steal. Yeah, because the house really should have been like. A million dollars. And the reason why is because the the realtor disclosed the reason why there's not problems in the house, the reason why it's so cheap is because of the DeFeo murders. Right. And they're like, you know what? We don't care about stuff like they that. They were like, we're not. We're um, a happy family. We're not superstitious. Superstitious. We don't believe in that stuff. It doesn't matter to us. It's a good price. Yeah. For a really nice house. Um, they grew up Catholic. These these, these right. two, they're Catholic, but they also practice some transcendental meditation. Meditation. TM. Find out. <laughs> oh, yes. They're really big in the TM, which in itself uh-huh. is... It, it is a little bit there of course the people that practice it I mean, you know really 70s. believe in it well mm-hmm. still today I mean it's well, still huge no it is but it's just, that was something that was like right um, but you have to the, the thing with transcendental meditation mm-hmm. versus regular meditation from what I understand from podcasts I've listened to uh-huh. is that you go to like the, the guru guy okay. in California I don't uh-huh. know there's probably others but mm-hmm. and he gives you a mantra oh. that you use and that mantra is private and sacred and you don't share it but you have to pay for it oh. so I thought that was interesting if you look as this goes <laughs> along at George Lutz as a opportunist uh-huh. hmm, hmm. kind of in the same vein interesting mm-hmm. My mantra, I would want it to be really cheap, so it would be like, Walmart. <laughs> I was like, chocolate chip cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be mine. So um, I thought that was interesting. They didn't mention a guru in the book, but they what did they say? They watched videos or something? Or did they? No, there's no videos in No, 75. they just say that they're, they're just a saying that they um, practice it, practice it. They just keep yeah. talking about practicing I it. I just happen, happen to know from listening to a lot of podcasts that you have to like, Go buy your There's mantra. some meditations. Anybody can learn to be a oh, meditation, but sure. to like become part of this like actual TM, like the real deal, ah. you got to go to a person and they, who's been received the message the for you, mm-hmm. received the Walmart for you. Yes. So I'm just going to throw it out there that if any kind of religion that you have to pay to get enlightenment or or transcend or salvation is full of shit. Yeah, I, I concur. Okay, so. A work of fiction, just like this book. That's right. Um, uh, and that is not limited to any particular no, religion. It's any. all religions. Anything that anyone tries to charge you money for that is, is full of shit. Um, so, yes. So, they're they're just like this really sweet 70s couple, and they got their kids. They have a dog. His name's Harry, and he they describe the dog. It's a Malamute Labrador. I'm already pissed off about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you why I'm pissed off about this. Because this entire book. They are mean as hell. This dog Harry. is outside. It's the freaking winter. I know. It's super cold. Mm-hmm. And until it is 10 below, they don't bring the dog inside. I know. They put him outside with his house. He walks him out to his house. And in his dog house. There. 
That's some bullshit. I know. I, I mean, I know. Like, I know that's it's part Malamute or whatever. And but I know still. we're like not winter people because we live in we Florida. Live in Florida. But this morning I was like, mm, it's like fifty two. I don't want to leave the dog out too loud. Out. I know um, because he might be like a little bit cold. I don't know. I just think that ten below, like ten below like in, in keeping your dog in its haunted doghouse. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan either. And also they. He just gets excited when the kids are playing one time, and he and he annoys George, so George just socks him one with a rolled-up newspaper. Yeah. I'm like, he's just playing with your kids, and you're going to hate your dog? Yeah. I have other feelings on that. We'll get into that. I have a lot of feelings about George. I do, too. And I have this, some issues with Kathleen as well. So, anyway... Um, so they move into their house and it's discussed about the murders, but they're fine with it. And also they have more, they have mortgaged themselves to the hilt because oh, yeah. even though it's only 80 grand for this house, uh-huh. it, they didn't have that kind of money. No. This house is above their means by quite it a bit. It is, but they fell in love and they really, really wanted right. it. So they just made it happen. Yes. But it was They stretched tough. it. Yeah. And yeah. And they kind of talk about that in the book that um, George really has stretched his finances to the limit. Yes. So they move in December 19, 1975. Part of the um, kind of ooky, creepy part was they didn't have a lot of furniture. So they got had the realtor get a lot of the DeFeo stuff out of storage and used their furniture, including the beds. Right. But not obviously not the mattresses. Right. Not to be disgusting, but... But that's also very... Weird. Weird. I mean, this is what I want to say. I'm not going to reveal. But I just think that that is, that is weird. That is, that is, is weird. weird. I also think... I think about myself. I, I myself am a very practical person. Mm-hmm. You are. So there's some times where I might do some things that other people might be like, how could you do that? Like, I like to shop in hospice, like the hospice thrift store. Mm-hmm. People are like, people died and that's their stuff. And I'm like, I don't give a crap. Until this very moment, I did not realize that was the case. Well, that I don't think it's always the case, but in hospice, yeah, I mean, that's it's we we joke that that's where it came from. Where it came from, but I really don't care. I I'm on just on I'm the halfway. Other side. I know I'm halfway. I could go either way, but, but I will say that if I knew someone was straight up murdered on it, right. I, I may have other feelings. Yeah, my friend, um, <coughs> excuse me, her husband doesn't like. Uh, vintage dishware. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to eat off these ghost plates. Mm. And so when her and I will go to Bracant Market or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, pick up some ghost plates ghost for plates. your husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> Me, I don't care. You? I'll take all your vintage Pyrex. Uh, oh, for real. And Corel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so. That they was move just in. A, they Everything move in. seems normal at first. Yeah. The first and day. <laughs> they, because of the history of the house, Kathy and George call the, amp, the their local p- priest. Here's the thing, though, about this. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't know if it was because of the history of the house. Because it felt to me like it was a very normal thing that, oh, you just have your priest come and bless your that house. That might be the case, Because too. we're not Catholic. I'm wondering if that was... Because it was no description of, like, oh, they felt like because of the murder we should have the house blessed. It was like, oh, Maybe. we move in, we're closing we'll at this time. Let's have the house blessed. It was I like a whole chapter a of... A wonderful idea. Yeah. In it general. Was, me too. Get your sage. It was like a whole chapter of this is what time moving trucks came. This oh. is what time the movers came. Uh-huh. Then we drove here at one fifteen. Uh-huh. Then when we arrived here at 2 o'clock... Then we dropped off Kathy's mother. Then, then, and then, we, we, then we were thinking about going into work that day, but we decided not to because... This is okay. Very boring first yes, chapter. Very boring. But the priest comes mm-hmm. to bless the house, which I think might have just been is might be just like normal practice, and maybe it might especially be. in that time when you're dealing with a smaller, <coughs> a smaller me. parish, maybe that they would just c- come and bless your house if you had a new home. I feel like that. It uh, could be Catholic listeners. 
Let us know. Let is, us it, know. is it just kind is of a normal standard? thing, or was it because of a death in the house? They just had listed here in the my handy-dandy, God bless Wikipedia, they just said, um, a friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. Oh. So it could be either one. Could be either so one. They chose I might be wrong. a father... Um, Mancuso yes. is the name of the father in the book. I would like to say something about Father Mancuso. We will discuss him at length. <laughs> so he is, Father Mancuso was a lawyer, a judge of the Catholic court, a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. and he lived in the Sacred Heart Rectory. Now, here's questions about that. Mm-hmm. So the person that is Father Mancuso in the book mm-hmm. um there is a real life priest that mm-hmm. did come to bless it. Mm-hmm. He was interviewed twice. His last name is different. It's like it's a start with an F. His name is Father Ralph J. Pecorero. But oh, I'm going to go into that. Okay, in because he does get interviewed at one point with his face covered, so we don't really know what he looks like. I have some good information. Okay, because in the book we'll get into that. In the book, he's just a priest that comes to bless the house. Mm-hmm. I just want you guys to all in your minds at this moment picture what you think that priest looks like. Because okay. it's going to be some stuff that's going to be revealed later that will shock you. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so so Father Mancuso comes. So while George and Kathy are unpacking, um, he comes in and he starts to flick the holy water and carry out the rites and pray. Mm-hmm. And he hears a very big masculine voice say, get out. Yeah, get out. And Which, then... that's how they say it in the movie, so that's why I said it. Oh, like I, have, I haven't seen it yet, yeah. so I can't so wait. So, he also... Um, uh, he didn't say anything mm-hmm. to them. So, he called um, George Lutz after he... Le- or he leaves. So, he calls George... I, see, I keep saying Lutz. Do you know why? Because we have a city named Lutz. Yeah, we have a city named Lutz, Florida. Mm-hmm. It's spelled L-U-T-Z, just like Lutz, but we pronounce it Lutz. And honestly, who knows how they pronounce their names? I don't know if it's their Lutzes or Lutzes. I don't either. Me either. So I feel like go with what you're comfortable with. Okay. So, I just think Lutz rhymes with sluts, and that's what I always think. Anyway. <laughs> I think I think of, I think I, I think I say Lutz because of Utz potato chips. Oh, those are good, too. I know. And from Mad Men. They're mm, on Mad Men. Those are good, of Mad good Men. chips. Those yeah. are northern chips, too. I don't think we... Do we have Utz down well, here? I don't know, but they definitely are in New York, because that's where Mad Men takes that's place. That's right. Okay. Good oil. Anyway, so um, he leaves. He blesses the house. He hears that, and he leaves, and he, he calls the Lutzes and says... I, I would advise you to stay out of the second story um, room because he heard a voice. But he does does he tell them he heard a voice? No. no. He just says, I just feel it's just kind of a dark, it feel, there's a dark feeling there. I just prefer you if you don't go, you know, hang out there a lot. Before he calls them, though, when mm-hmm. after he leaves the house, yeah. there's a chapter devoted on what happens to his car. Yes. His his. His uh, windshield wipers had ghosts in them. His ghost windshield wipers start going <laughs> off. Flapping. Crazy. Flapping. Just going every direction. He's like, but then his freaking hood flies, flies up. up. And, and so he can't see. He's uh-huh. driving on the highway with uh-huh. the hood up. Uh-huh. He has to pull over. Another priest is going by and sees him. Uh-huh. And so he gets in that priest's car. The priest ends up, leaves his car. Uh-huh. And the priest ends up taking him to the rectory. Uh-huh. Yes. And then we'll get back to Father Mancuso, but uh-huh. that's where we're at right he then. Gets, he gets all kinds of business going on. So um, that was a room that Kathy, she had wanted to use that as her sewing room. Um, so after the visit to the house, Father Mancuso starts to come down with a high fever, 
blisters on his hands, similar to the stigmata. Mm -hmm. um, and he's experiencing this, and he's not telling the lessons. Oh, and about on. two weeks straight of diarrhea that we had to hear about. I know. How, how many times? That was like a couple pages devoted on to how many times he had to go into the bathroom. I that know. Evening. I know. There's and he has a weird relationship with his mom. Yeah, he the does. The priest. Yeah, it's a little does. bit too close I with know, his that's, mom. That's weird. Okay. So... Then things start happening in the house. Um, at first, it was fine, nothing unusual. George starts waking up at 3.15 mm -hmm. every night, mm -hmm. which we know it's now that hour. that's what, yeah, it is the witching hour, but it's also when Ronald DeFeo shot his family. Right, and and before he starts waking up in the night, George starts being so mean and grouchy with he's the kids. He's real grouchy. He can't get warm in this house. He's real frustrated. He's working on the fire. He's working on, on the last fire. Nerve. Yeah. And I yelling mean, at the kids, like, you kids yeah. are brats, and what's gotten into you, and everything. And they're all surprised because George is pretty level-headed. This is a personality change for him. Right. Um, so he starts waking up at 3.15 every morning and going to check the boathouse. He's drawn to um, the boathouse. Yes. The next thing that starts to happen is up in that second floor room in the window, mm -hmm. flies start Hundreds to amass of flies. On, yes. the, on the window. Inside of the window. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's the winter. It's December. This shouldn't be happening. It's right, right. before Christmas. Right. There should be no flies. Um, Kathy starts having nightmares about the murder. She dreams about... She dreams about other people having sex in the bed. Yeah, she dreams about... And then about she dreams about the mom being murdered. She also dreams about the mom having sex with someone else and not the not dad. Not the dad. Yeah, that was a little... I hmm. know. Interesting. So anyway, um, the, the, the other thing is the Lutz children also began sleeping on their stomachs. <gasps> Ghost did it. The ghost put them right on their In tongue. the same way that the dead bodies in the DeFeo murders had been found. Now, I'm telling you, if I went and checked on my kid... And they were sleeping on their stomach. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give two craps. I'd be like, oh, they're sleeps. They're sleeping. It's fine. Right. I checked on them. They're sleeping. What if they were in the murder beds that you just bought from the previous owners? Depends on how tired I was. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how many times you had said, go to bed. That's right. On your stomach or otherwise. Yeah. So I just find that to be like, okay, well, that's not that scary. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is, so Kathy would be doing her daily business. The kids hadn't, they were on winter break. They're mm -hmm. still, like, she'd have them go play or whatever. While she's putting dishes away, she's right. unpacking. We're yeah. hearing about all those little details right. about how they're changing the sheets. Which room is the playroom? Yeah. Which room is this temperature? This I swear. Room is this, I swear she the changed the sheets like three times. I, I swear to God. the sheets a lot. And then, um... So she'd be in the kitchen doing her thing, putting her plates away, and she would feel, she would start to smell a sweet perfume. What she called it, cheap perfume. Cheap perfume. It's like Gina Tay. She <laughs> smelled the Gina Tay. That's in my mind. That's what I was picturing every or time. Walgreens White Musk. Or the wind song. Wind song stays on my mind. Yes, for sure. And um, so she feels an embrace around her waist. She yeah. says she feels like it's a female, mm -hmm. and then she's let go, and it kind of surprises her. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, I'm I just, you know, I'm just the kind of person, and I'm I'm not a skeptic by nature. No, you're not because I've experienced some unexplainable things in my right. life. Right. However, if I felt this sensation, I would be telling my husband. I would be like. Uh, hey, I had a weird. Remember thing how we happened? live in this like murder, murder house? house? Guess what? Guess what? I had a ghosty experience. Uh -huh. Just heads up, I'm not saying it was like someone's mamaw hugged me. Yes, yeah. 
<laughs> yes. putting the dishes away. She had really bad taste in perfume. Yeah. So that's just me. So there's a lot of that, like not them having experiences and not telling each other, mm-hmm. which I just I, I just don't operate that way. Right. I, I talk. So I'd be like, you know, hey. Yes. Are, I, are you noticing anything strange? Like I told you, this is a real Laverne yeah, and Shirley situation. I know. Nobody talks about shit. Like, yeah, I'm real cold. And I, oh, George gets diarrhea. Everyone gets diarrhea. Yeah, everyone's been diarrheaing. Priest, George. <laughs> George. Well, only the men. Yeah. <laughs> but he can't he get warm. And, he, oh, also, he stopped showering. Oh, yeah. The, the whole, in first nine days that they're there, he won't go to, they don't. The house is terrorizing them in some ways. Mm-hmm. They also cannot bring themselves to leave the house. Right. They want to only be in the house, mm-hmm. yet it's terrorizing them. Uh-huh. And so her brother is getting married. Uh-huh. Um, and this is what I felt was very weird anyway. Mm-hmm. But the brother is going to come over and pick them up for his own wedding. Remember? I think because they had du- they were helping out. There was an exchange of cars. They were going on the honeymoon. Because there's, there's mention later after they come back for the honeymoon that they had had... Their car, car the whole time, yeah, yeah. That so was a little like bit some confusing, family but yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Also, I was kind of confused because the next thing that happens in the house. Well, well I just want to say something real quick. So when they're gonna, I, the to drive the point home about George mm-hmm. is that when she's like, "Hey, my brother's coming to pick us up, and it's been nine days. You're gonna need a shower. You need to get yourself in the shower and pull yourself together. Yeah, get yourself we're together going to the wedding. You haven't been to work in nine days. Everyone, it's your own business, right? So who cares? I mean, he's just phone, he's but, literally phoning it in. Yeah. So he finally takes a shower. I'm sure he feels better. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I, "There, there's my husband again." Mm-hmm. So they go to the wedding. Well, when the when the young couple comes, they have an envelope of cash. I'm presuming that is. For their honeymoon, it was to pay the for they oh, paid for the wedding for the wedding. So they'd already paid fifteen hundred down, and they had to pay the other. This 1500. was the remaining wedding car. So whatever came from the honeymoon, from the checks mm-hmm. and the cash at the wedding that they were hoping to receive from their guests was what they were going to pay for their honeymoon with. Right. They'd already had their plane tickets and stuff, but it was going to be like their spending money, mm-hmm. etc. So they so he went and withdrawed this fifteen hundred dollars in cash. Mm-hmm. The the brother did, to and he was going to give it to the wedding venue. planner. And all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that's clear now. So while they're doing the how you doing, we're getting ready, la, la, la. This is going to be great. We're getting married, la, la, la. They're getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where's my envelope of money? And it was in his jacket in the kitchen. Bre- yeah. Yeah. And no one had been in the kitchen. Yeah. And supposedly. Th- supposedly. And the money's gone. Right. It's just gone. They, they never there, find it. They never find I it. I really felt like that was no not a good payoff. I really wanted a payoff of them. I no know. pun intended, but kind of pun intended. I wish they would have had a money payoff in that. I know. And they'd be like, oh. like, well, like they're going in the red room downstairs and there's a, the money or something. Yeah. It's kind of like pointless part of the book. I know. So they can't find the money. Well, let's go to the wedding. We'll take care of the wedding. We'll pay. You pay we'll us cover back. you and then we'll you can co- pay us We back. got yeah. it. Don't worry. Just go get married. Just go be you. Don't worry about it. Right. So they go and do that and they still cannot find this money. Um, so the other thing is, is George is doing some cleaning and all that stuff. And he finds the red room, which you mentioned. It's a small hidden room. They say it's four feet by five feet um, behind the shelving in the basement. The walls were painted red and the room did not appear in the blueprints of the house. Um, it, they called it the red room. This room had a profound effect on the dog. We refu- refused to go near it. It was stinky. <laughs> yeah. And the, as soon as they go in there, that's painted red. And the mom is like, that's a weird smell. And the dad says, oh, that's what blood smells like. 
That's the exact exchange they have. And it's just like, like really? That's what blood smells oh, like? That's so stupid. When did you smell blood last? About to smell it while I smacked it. I know. When I sm- that's, yeah. There's a lot of threats to be, have this shit smacked out of you, too, in this yeah. book. So, also, it smelled like poop. Yes. Human. That's human it. poop. And they always said human excrement. Always. And in my notes, I wrote, while I was reading this book, which I'm so, like, you listeners... Um, you're going to hear me shuffling papers and sometimes, and that's just how it is, and and that's just me. Okay. <laughs> so, I just wrote to myself a note. Um, uh, it says, mostly it just talks about things smelling like human poop. Yes. It's yeah. Several instances. The boathouse smells like poop. The, the red room smells, house like smells like poop. The priest's house, the entire rectory starts smelling like, like poop. poop. And the priest gets so fussy, he yells at his boss about it. Like, I know. Why is it my room that smells like, like shit? I know. <laughs> I didn't poop. I think that's what he's really trying to say. You all think I pooped, but I did not poop. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I think it is. One hundred percent. Why he's getting so mad? He's so because he's like everyone that I pooped that priest. And they're like light some incense. Jeez, dude. Then they're like then he gets all mad because the incense it is smells hurt. It's like the priest is like he's just he's over there in the flu and everything smells like poo. <laughs> <laughs> and we had this so many times. Of, so many I went times. to the bathroom at three. I had to go to the bathroom again and uh-huh. five minutes later. Yep. Then they have the whole part in the house back at leave the priest back at the house where all the toilet bowls turn black. Oh my god, the <laughs> toilet bowls! Every toilet bowl in that house turned black. Yeah, I just and she could never get it out. No. Just black toilet bowls. I know. Uh, I I'd know. be like, sweet, you can't see the dirt anymore. Yeah, it's black demon <laughs> toilets. The dirt. <laughs> The dirt. <laughs> oh, God. The oh, toilet dirt. <laughs> like, oh, literally, no. like, is it like a demon toilet? Like, what is happening? There's so red room, black toilets. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, all right. So, there's lots of cold spots. George can't ever get warm. Um, building the fire. Building the fire. Always building, building the, the fire. fire. Going downstairs. Then checking like, the oil furnace. It's 75. In this room, it's 75. In this room, it's 72. But then I checked this room, and it was 73. Uh-huh. We're like, we Guess what, Jansen? We do not we give don't care. one shit. No, we really don't. Yeah. So, things start to happen with the daughter. So, she starts having a little imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Who she describes as... She comes to her mom and says, Mom, can angels talk? And Kathy's like, I don't know. Go play with your dolls. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I'm unpacking. Stop right. talking to me. Yes. Because all the kids are little cardboard props in this book. Mm-hmm. They have no personalities. And the, everyone's just irritated with them all the time. That's right. So they're like, I don't know. Go play with your pig friend. So um, that's who we find out about her imaginary friend. His name is Jody. <laughs> he is a pig. His told. name is Jody. Uh-huh. Although I feel like my mom in high school had a, a guy friend named Jody. I've known a, a Jody. Before. Well, I have a cousin Jody who's a girl, but I'm I'm known in Men my life a man, Jody. a boy named. Jody. I feel like that was like a '70s type name or yeah. '60s because then by the time they got that age, they're '70s. He's so, a pig, but a, a boy p- pig named Jody. And he's told her he's an angel. Yes, and it, just as in a little aside to this, my son went to. <laughs> we're reading this book, and this book was. No spoilies. Hard to get through. Uh-huh. 
And I read it at night, Mm -hmm. many nights, trying to, like, wrap it up. And so, in the meantime, my son went to this thing called Cracker Country here, Uh which, listen, it's controversial. But Florida Crackers call themselves Florida Crackers, people that have lived in Florida for many, many generations. To me, it's, it's like the redneck or the hillbilly. Kind of. It Although I did do some research on it stuff. because my family in Illinois, I was telling them that they had oh, that he had no. went to ca- Cracker this Country. Means what I think it means. Um, well, what they, there's two different things. All well, right. one thing is is a lot of Georgia and Florida farmers who who were typically like poorer type farmers mm-hmm. um, were known to crack corn, okay. and so that that's why they would call Florida crackers. That's one example. Okay. The other thing was some of them were cowboys mm-hmm. and the or or any animal type herder and they would crack whips. Mm-hmm. Those are the two main connotations. Okay. In our area of Florida, there was not a lot of slavery that came okay. down to us. In fact, a lot of the people that are considered Florida crackers were felons. Two poor descendants of felons owners. that got kind of dropped off here mm. and were like Make your way. That explains so much, Florida man. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's some some people feel that it is currently still controversial the use of the word Florida cracker, mm-hmm. but then other people who are Florida crackers is like a um, proud description because in Florida there aren't a lot of people who are truly actually from here. Right. And this would have to be to be considered a Florida cracker. You have to be. Pre World War One, your lineage is in Florida okay. that long. Okay, so you would be like eight or nine generations of Floridians, and that is very rare. So, like, my husband was born here in Florida. He's not a Florida cracker because his parents are from my Michigan. Husband might be. He might be a cracker. Well, let me think on it. Well, we know he's at least third. Ge- no, because no. His, his grandparents are from. Yeah. Uh, well, he's the, what it is is that um, his grandparents, his grandpa was in the army, so they lived everywhere. Oh, okay, so he'd know. He, okay. does, he can't. Be I had to think about it because but they have they do have some. Flor- they've been here for a long time. So Florida has this thing called Cracker Country, well, where the area that we're from, where you can go as a field trip and you get to learn about how people lived like pre, like in the old like seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. You make candles you, you know but it's fun but it's like florida e swampy alligatory it's you know because we have one where i'm from called new salem in mm-hmm. illinois mm-hmm. and that one is the same kind of thing that's where lincoln actually lived mm-hmm. and he had his law office there and um it was like log cabins and stuff and you can actually go and see the log cabins that were from lincoln's days and you can make the same kind of thing see people make candles and mm-hmm. and wool and stuff it's the same kind of thing except it's in cracker country okay. this is important for one reason only uh-huh. sorry for sorry. the we're digression having, yeah so my son goes to this cracker country i've been reading this book with about jody the pig. jody the scary pig and he can he can take five dollars with him uh-huh. to buy a present for himself from Cracker Country. So Souvenir. I'm like, okay, um, okay, great. I'll give you your $5. So I pick him up and I'm like, how was Cracker Country? And he's like, I got this awesome present. Look what I brought home. And it is a terrifying red pig. <laughs> I don't know why they have it there. It is like a, about eight inches long. Mm-hmm. It Isn't is that big. It's big. <laughs> it's vinyl. Oh no! It is red. It has terrifying eyes, <laughs> and I have recorded for you the noise. It, if you squeeze it, mm-hmm. it makes a noise. It is not what a pig sounds like mm-hmm. because I, I grew up on a farm. Uh-huh. I know what pigs sound mm-hmm. like. Although we didn't have pigs, but although what. Well, I heard pigs. Okay, I've heard pigs. I've heard a pig. 
I'm not going to defend myself about these pigs. Hear, hear this, oh. listener. Hear this. Hear this pig noise. Okay. That's like a That's, you know what that sounded like? That sounds like what the Muskogee ducks. That does sound like that. <laughs> when they're holding when them they're down. When they're holding them down. <laughs> um, I am terrified of this pig, and he keeps putting it, like, by my bed. Uh-huh. Like, just keeps showing up places, and it is red. It is not a pink pig. Just it is a red pig. Jody? Don't name it Jody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So anyway, I, that's all I could think of now is that like scary pig. pig. So she's friends with Jody the pig, and she keeps talking. Well, Jody, I'll say hi to Jody, my friend Jody. Mm-hmm. And she's like eating a little sandwich in the kitchen, and she keeps trying to feed somebody the sandwich. And her mom's like kind of watching her and not mm-hmm. saying anything. Um, the dad goes out that night at three fifteen a.m. because he's drawn to the boathouse again. Mm-hmm. Constantly checking the locks. Check this lock. Check that lock. Check this lock. And he looks back up at Jody's room, and he mm-hmm. sees a pig face behind in her room with glowing pig eyes. Mm-hmm. He sees the yeah. pig. Um, so Jody the pig. Um, so they would wake up to the sound of the front door slamming and being like, at one point, it's like slammed off its hinges. All the windows are breaking. Breaking the hinges, windows, the hinges, everything's are breaking. breaking. House is kind of turning to shit, to yeah. be honest. It's yeah. kind of like, there's just one problem after another. Yeah. Black toilets, breaking windows, all the things. Oh, green slime oozing oh. out of the walls and keyholes. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. So George also would hear marching band. Yeah. <laughs> you all can't hear me roll my eyes as hard as I just rolled them just now, but a marching band? The thing is, can I just say that even if I love a marching band, for one. Oh, yeah. I love a marching band, but not in my living room. But if this was purely a work of fiction uh-huh. and they would have just been like we wrote this story about this scary house where this terrible thing be, happened uh-huh. it could have been a really fun scary book this just is not that no. book so then when you're seeing like oh now okay now there's a marching band yeah now you got a damn marching band in your living room i will say it's because i think well i mean i'm gonna get into it i'm not hiding my feelings that hard i, I think everybody it's knows time. how we feel but it's like, let me take this book out of the library. What happens sometimes when there's hauntings? There's breaking things. There's marching bands. There's bad smells. There's bad smells. There's, there's Gina Tay. There's poop equals demons, by the way. Oh, that's just something it says in there. Uh-huh. Just in the book, just flat out, all of a sudden, Father Mancuso, when his rectory... His rect by his rectum. <laughs> yes, that was great. Um, he says, and then he realizes that poop means devil. Yeah, th- th- it's it's an indicator of demonic activity. But he doesn't even say it like that. No. He doesn't say Fe- human feces is an indicator of demonic. He just says poop means the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like they just looked up what scary things are in a scary house. Let's add them all. Yes. We saw The Exorcist a couple weeks ago. Let's, Let's just add just everything add into it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's the other coincidence, friends. Is, uh, the Exorcist came out in 1970. What is it? I'll, you know what? Keep, go ahead. You I'll do me. the work. I'll do okay, the work. Okay, so we're almost there because there's not a lot to that book. But, um, oh. So um, the marching band's tuning up, and he keeps hearing that, and also a clock radio not that's kind of playing in the distance. I don't remember that much, but um, so the other thing is, is that I don't remember that part at either. the local bar, the Witch's Brew, um, aka Harry's. Harry's. 
George, the bartender tells George he looks a lot like Ronnie DeFeo, which he does. You know what? He does. I mean, but it is not the as, 70s. There's not a as lot of men with long hair and beards. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, everybody is. When closing Missy's window, um, Missy said, Jody just climbed out the window. Kathy sees the eyes, too. Yeah. They and then she freaks out and throws a gla- throws something into the window and breaks, breaks it. it. Yeah. Um, so, The Exorcist movie came out in 73. Okay. So, definitely before Influence all of this. here. Very, inf- very. So, while in bed, Kathy, she gets red welts on her chest and body, which we learned. There's, that's a weirdness. There's a weir- that's a weird part, too. Because she wants her mom to come look. Look, I think in, I don't think that part's that weird. No, it's like, I, hey, mom, I have this weird thing on my arm. What is it? Yeah, and well, also my mom's like, a nurse, so I'm that's think, why I go to her. But oh yeah, I always call my mom about stuff like that. And yeah. she's not a nurse; she's a public defender <laughs> office employee. <laughs> but I still am like, mom. Also, like this is weird with my kid. Come over, look at it. Yeah. Or my husband's out of town. This creeped me out. Can you guys come, come over, over and look at this? Yeah. You better believe if I thought I had ghosts in my house, mm-hmm. Rhonda and Tom if I would had, be like, a ghost rash. I would call my mom. <laughs> they would head over. Yeah. But so I don't have a problem with that. The what I have a problem with is the way they described her laying on her bed with her robe open, with her robe open, with her pubes out uh-huh. and her titties out. Uh-huh. That's what it says in there: uh-huh. pubes and titties. Uh-huh. Probably not with that <laughs> those words. And her red splotches that her mom like feels. Yeah, and, to, and she's like, "Oh, they're hot," mm-hmm. and not. <laughs> Not, not, not like, like hot. Girl, look no, at that robe. You they, hot. They say, like, she says, ow, it burned my finger. Oh, the, oh, the mom The mom gets burned off of her, her um, ghost rash. Ghost rash. God. So, and also the other thing is that the robe's open and her mom and George are standing around in there. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you? S- no. I, I had, I, I would even felt weird. And this is my own shortcoming. Uh-huh. But, like, when I was um, nursing my kids, mm-hmm. I was like, I wouldn't like. I don't have a problem with nursing in front of people. No, I don't either. It doesn't bother but, me. But like, and I don't have a problem with people nursing in front of me. Right. But I don't know if I would have nursed in front of my mom and Mike at the same room at the same time. I might have been like, this. This feels weird. All of us all here. If, I don't know. I mean, if I had like one of the the little height of things. Oh on, yeah, but I'm just talking but, about like having a boob out. out yeah. I don't want my family members standing around with my husband while I'm naked. Like it's just weird. I just, I just don't, don't think don't I would it. be comfortable. I'm a gal who did not have anyone in the delivery room. Yeah, me either. Just Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Just my ex-husband was in there, and that was it. Because yeah. I just don't really want my business out and my family hanging out like it's Thanksgiving. No. I have known people who's had their whole family in Yeah. Everybody everybody makes their own choices. Everyone. I'm not shaming anyone. When I have my rash, I just want my mom That's only. Only my mom <laughs> looks at my rashes. You can call your relatives. That I am totally cool with that. That's all you. Um, <laughs> so... Then the next thing that happens um, is she floats. Oh, yeah. She, she levitates. Levitates. And this is the best part <laughs> to me. To me. Okay, so what does George do when he wakes up and he sees her levitating? He says, George reaches up and pulls Kathy's hair to bring her down to the bed. I'm like, yeah. really, dude? And then he gaslights her. Yeah. Because after she, like, wakes up, because, ow, and she's like, like he like pulls her down hard enough that she falls on the floor. Yeah. And then she wakes up and she's like, "What's going on?" And instead of him saying, "Bitch, your ass was floating," right. and I yanked you down by your ponytail, he's like, "Oh, you were having a dream and fell off the bed." Uh, see, that's the thing. I just very rude. Like we're having all this ghosty stuff. Oh no, it wasn't a ghosty thing. Like let me not, just tell yeah. you, like just whatever. be like honest. Yeah. So a lot of that going on. So then here is the other thing. 
All right. Kathy transforms into an, a woman of 90. Oh, yes. With, with the, Here's the quote. The hair, wild, a shocking white. The face, a mass of wrinkles and ugly lines and saliva dripping from the toothless mouth. <laughs> I mean, I look real hit in the morning. <laughs> but... And and also after that she's got like it it, it dissipates. Yeah, she's back to herself. Yeah. But it goes, she goes to the mirror and she has deep black wrinkles in her face. Yeah, it's, that was I could not a little bit confusing. That. Me too. And then it's like she could feel the ridges. It was like scars, but they were like black scars, black ridges in her face. It's I just very, did not was, understand what was happening there. I felt like even if they were trying to be scary, that was a poor choice because it was you couldn't you couldn't visualize it. Yeah. Um. So then. Kathy's floating around with drooling and all this stuff. So anyway, um, the other thing that I find very, it irritated me, and I don't know why, was mm-hmm. the China lion. Okay, that's something I wanted to speak to. Okay. So <coughs> the China lion, first of all, is a shitty present. And <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get Sarah a present don't for Christmas Don't give me a China year, lion. Do not. So what happened is she had seen that China lion somewhere. Okay. And she thought, this is what George would love at their old house. Is it a picture? When they say it's a China lion, I just picture it with white with blue flowers, like traditional China. That's not how it's described in this, I know, though. but that's it's how just, I picture it. I know. It's better mind. that way. It's better that way. She saw it, and she knew that George would love it. Okay. If you... There is nothing that I will love that's ceramic. No, Don't buy anything from me. But also, if I saw a ceramic anything, I would not think, you know, I, Mike would love I will this. Confess. I confess. I collect ceramic things. Ironically, I have a ceramic wizard. Is it? A, do you have a clown? I'm, I'm afraid if you do. Uh, I don't have a clown. I have a Native American holding a um, a cow skull. I have. Oh, you're gonna have some more stuff now that I, I know you collect. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a little uh, Eskimo. I don't what? have clowns. I, I'm not clowns are no. I'm terrified of them. I don't. That's not. I know that's a thing, but I just it's not something that's gonna be in my house. Okay. So anyway, she this this lion. She buys it for her husband, and then she brings it to the new house, and they love it so much. It's like a piece of art, mm-hmm. and I mean maybe it is, but it's just terrible mm-hmm. and it starts moving around the house and lunging at them and growling at them and different things well it bites him it, th- this yeah it does end up biting it, he george trips and he gets up after he tripped and he tripped over the lion uh-huh, and, he and then he's mark. got a bite mark yeah so later when we talk about the true story of this book that lion is going to come into play Mm-hmm. Just so you know. When? Oh, the book? After we, when we okay. talk about the true so story. So one of the last few things that start happening is one of the big reveal of really, we're in ghost town now. Everybody's out in the open. All the, the kids gre- are yeah. sleeping in one bed with the mom and yeah. dad. Yeah. They're like, everyone's saying, the priest, sick ass priest. He's like, get yeah. out of right. this house. Why are you here? The mom is like, you know, I don't really feel good here. Yeah. Everyone's like, please leave. Right. This pig, all of this. All of it. Um, if I saw red eyes and there was a demon pig in my house, I would have already been out by now. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, uh, where was I going? I didn't what the green this. snot. Oh, the green slime. So it says green gelatin-like slime oozed from the walls in the hall and also from a keyhole uh, of the playroom in the attic. So what they do, like, they go to clean it, and they're just scooping up slime, and they're putting it in buckets, and they're throwing it out in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the part that stuck with me about the slime. George sticks his finger in it, and he tastes it. Which is gross. So gross. 
that's so gross. So, um, all right. So finally, um, Jody is around every, uh, the whole thing's going down. Oh, the last and one of the other last and final, like terrifying things is they both see George and Kathy see a mist rise up out of the fireplace. Mm -hmm. It's a white figure mm -hmm. hooded. That's like chasing their kids. Wants yeah. to kill the boys. Yeah. So they're finally like, let's go. So when they try to leave, a huge storm blows up. They can't leave the house. Mm -hmm. It's pouring rain. Mm -hmm. There's another point where they find a hoof print in the snow. That was before that. Yeah. They find a, a huge pig hoof print. A pig hoof print in the mm -hmm. snow. So they've had it. And then they leave finally. Mm -hmm. Father Mancuso, he's had to leave the he's parish. He's like, I'm taking a long vacation. Because he's been the whole time he's been like consulting with his council and the what do they call it? His chancellor. Mm -hmm. And he's like, What should I do about these people? I can't stop thinking about it. He's like consumed with this illness. And the the guy's like, You need to let them go. Let mm -hmm. this go. It's making you sick. Have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but before that, just tell them they need to leave and then just wash your hands of it. There's mm -hmm. nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. So um, he does that um, to a point. There's some other things that go on, but really it's just not that interesting. It really isn't. And I've, I'm really bummed to say that because the um, premise, I love a haunted house. Man, I do. I love a paranormal adventure. Heck yeah. This could have been, it could have been hitting all the high points for me, but it was dismal. It I really mean, I was. just think it was not scary. It, it was hard for me to, first off, I apologize for making you read this book. I really thought it was going to be exciting. You know what, we fun. had to read it. I know. We had to, it's, it's a, it's a big one. So, since we've really, really just torn this book Let's up. Let's give it our rating first. Okay. Before, and then we'll tell our theory. We're going to get into Should some we, facts. I have some facts okay. to reveal. Let's give our rating. Mm -hmm. Let's hear the facts. And then let you and I tell our individual theories. Okay. Okay? So, so you give your rating first. It was your book. I give it one skull. That's big of you. I give it zero skulls. Mm -hmm. I one did out not, of five. I didn't zero add out of five. five. Yeah, zero yeah. out of five. I really did not like this book. But more because of what a disappointment it was in not being scary. More how, than just how bad the writing was. how bad it was written. It, was, it, it just, just really didn't create... A feeling or mm -hmm. some people were terrified by this book that's like how what people reviewed but right. I just could not get into it I think that if they had wanted to tell this story and we will find out in a moment from Tennille why they wanted to mm -hmm. if they had picked the right author it this could, could have, have been. been a truly terrifying piece like a haunted hill house yeah. kind of situation yeah um because it has a scary premise. Sure. What happened to the DeFeos is terrible. It's horrible. Horrific. It's worse than anything. I mean, that's like, that. Is there something more to be more scared of than that? No. Um, and it could have, of course, living in that house afterwards, it could have been a very scary book. This was not that. Right. Okay, so you give us some facts and then we'll talk about so, theories. So, um, one more thing I will say. Is they did use the word use of the word slacks? They did des describe. Kathy went upstairs and put on some slacks. Slacks. I, I'm I'm for it. I know you love the word slacks. So, so did my <laughs> I grandma. Need to go put on some slacks. Um, the other note I made was the Lutzes threatened to smack their kids constantly. Constantly, and, sometimes and then did the slack worst them. thing. Yeah, they did hit them a lot. 
The worst thing, though, is Kel- uh, Kathy, at the end, she yells at her kids to do something or I will break every bone in your body. Yeah. I'm like, what Terrible. the fuck? And then, like, the <laughs> second or third chapter, it's, like, right early that yeah. they're in the house. They've not been in the house very long. She describes how she just lost it and she just beat them all one day. Mm-hmm. Just I know. Like, what it's the, the 70s, but I know. I know. So that was my other issue with the Lutzes. Yeah, they're just they not... They beat their kids. Not good parents. So... I mean, I don't know how the rest of their pen- parenting was, but... I just feel like it wasn't that great. No, That's I just too. my opinion. Um, so they leave... So, let's say... Let's go into some fact... Let's do some fact checking here. Oh, so they finally leave the they house. They do and leave. That's the and end. That's they it. got out. That's the end. Jay Anson goes into this whole thing is why... Oh, one other big thing, which we left out, but I'm going to tell you right now. The other thing the priest advised them to do is get a me a, get a uh, investigation, in, a paranormal investigator, Paris, which, parapsychology, parapsychology investigation. So they say, so they do. Mm-hmm. They have a guy come. They, re- I really wanted more out of that. Yes, they didn't really go into it much. I'll they tell you why. Yeah, later. Th- yeah. I know. I have a feeling you know we know why. why. But uh, yeah, they don't really. That's a, that's what would have been immediate. I kept thing. think. I keep kept waiting for that to be described in the book they and they really don't go until the it. prologue where I was like I'm not even reading this prologue I, I mean know. I started reading and I was like I don't care about this shit yeah. I, uh, anymore so the other thing is is that they have a medium come through she's a girl she's she just I she just gets impressions of things she goes in she goes down to the basement she feels like spirits are coming in from a well that is found in that basement mm-hmm. um, and she feels like um, there's the spirit of a boy there's an older man there's just people there are people that have our earthbound spirits mm-hmm. she believes that she's hurt she's seen them mm-hmm. but there's also a, de- a demonic presence mm-hmm. so that's what they that's what the medium discovers the um investigator he comes but i really don't know according to the book what he mm-hmm. even you know came across so i'm going to tell you so, first I went to the basic level, Snopes, all right? <clears throat> is Amityville a true story? False. It is not a true story. Um, one of the reasons they cite is, according to someone named Joe Nickel, who is the author of Entities, Angels, Spirits, and Demons, and Other Alien Beings. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a jam of a book. Okay, so the Lutzes could not have found the demonic hoof print in the snow when they said they did because weather, rec- weather records show there had been no snowfall to leave prints in. Mm-hmm. Through the book, the details ex- uh, they detail extensive damage to the home's doors, hardware, locks, doorknobs, hinges, and they've all actually have been untouched. Yeah, the- and they know that they're original to the home. That's right. Um, the book and film show police being involved and called to the house because there is a police officer c- that comes and he witnesses something and mm-hmm. so on and forth. It's really boring. It's not even exciting. Gia Kondo. Right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So the police, he sees um, George, like, opening all the windows and freaking out. He's like, I'm not going to go there. That's the murder house. I'm tired. I'm getting off. Whatever. Right. The um, They were never once called during the 28 days that mm-hmm. George, they were never there. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of the facts yes. that were uncovered. Another thing is, before I get into the big, big, big one. <clears throat> now, it's referenced in other materials. Because the Amityville was not actually trademarked. So, the Amityville Horror. So, mm-hmm. that's why there's not only just the original hand, uh, Amityville Horror. There's also 
Amityville Returns, Amityville the, you know. The Reckoning, the, Amity, uh, Rebirth at Amityville. All those. There's whatever. a bunch of them. So I don't know any of the real point, title. It was re, um, it was uh, inferred that it was because of the Shinnecock Indians in Amityville. Um, they did not live anywhere near no, Amityville. No, they're like 70 miles away. There were some in Massapequa. I mean, there's there was a, a Montaukett nation that lived there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but that's it. Um, they also said a witch named John Ketchum escaped from Salem, Massachusetts during the witch trials. And he built his house near or on the famous Amityville property. And he so he could continue his devil worship. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not, did happen. not happen. John Ketchum. Always the natives. He was from Ipswich, Massachusetts, and he was like a r- local government representative. He was a prominent figure. Um, he had a family. He was basically, the only reason why they know him is because he was part of like the governing body of the community. Right. And always the witches and the native peoples are always like. They're the go-tos. Go-tos. Come on. Here's another one. I found a letter online. Um, someone inquiring with the Diocese of Rockville Center mm-hmm. of the actual diocese were um, Father, quote, air quote, Mancuso, who's actually Father Ralph Pecorero. Um, it's this person named Rick Osuna inquired about it. And he, the um, Reverend Robert O'Morrissey, assistant to the Vicar General, answers the letter and says... Dear Mr. Osuna, Bishop Murphy has asked me to respond to your letter of March 22, 2002, at the time in question when Father Ralph Pecorero worked at the Tribunal Diocese of Rockville Center. Father Pecorero was involved as a counselor of the Litzes during, as you call it, the Amityville horror story slash hoax. Because of his concern over the publicity attached to the story, he petitioned and was granted leave of absence. Um, he went to the Diocese of Oakland. He worked there. However, he eventually left there and dropped out of sight. He doesn't want to be talked to. His whereabouts became unknown to us until hearing of his death in 1987. <coughs> um, he ma- the diocese maintains that the story was a false report. In November of 1977, diocesan attorneys prepared a substantial list to be submitted to the publisher of numerous inaccuracies, factually incorrect references, and untrue statements regarding events, persons, and occurrences that never happened. Um, and that's from the vicar of that area. I will say to that, I mean... I know it's the Catholic Church. I, I Did you watch that? And I don't mean disrespect to Catholics, but I don't know. either, but did you, did you watch that um, documentary on Netflix based in the 70s about the yes, nun that was God, murdered? I hate that story, but it's, it's that was an so incredible, good, incredible documentary. Yeah. It's, but the they just lied yeah, so much. They it, did. And I'm not saying that that's the case but with this. It's, I don't believe it probably is. I will is, give you the uh, last few facts, and then we can discuss our theories. Yes. Which I'm papering my papery paper notes, <laughs> which had my Amityville facts. One of which was. I think it might be farther on that one, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Um, but Father um, Pecorero never once visited that house. So then I saw an article that he thing. said that he did go to the house and did hear the voice. He's. No, well, but only, but nothing else happened. No. I never saw anything like that. He maintained that the, he had a phone call with George and Kathy Lutz, 
But that is the only contact he had with that family. So the only thing I read that was different <coughs> than that, I saw one article. He said that he never went there. Mm-hmm. They, he he never was a part of it. He had one phone call. Mm-hmm. Then I saw another article that that started out the same, but deeper in the article, if you read the whole thing, mm-hmm. he said, I did go there once. I heard that voice, but I don't know what that voice was. It could have been somebody that was actually there. Cool. Because there were a lot of people in the house. And I was only there for a moment, and they could have been somebody kind of, like, messing with me, basically. Hmm. And that nothing else happened. No diarrhea. No <laughs> hand. Yeah, he didn't get sick. No, none of that stuff. Um, I wonder where I had it. Um, oh, the Live Science article, or Live Science. Is it Live Science? Maybe it's Live Science. Anyway, so here's the big one. This is the biggest one of all. So one of the facts that they even talk about in the book is how much financial trouble the Lutzes, the Lutzes were in. Mm-hmm. George's business, um, they blame it on the paranormal, but really they got in this house, they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. I um, Also, there's a, a um, attorney. So the, atter- the attorney for Butch DeFeo, mm-hmm. his name is William Weber. He approached... The Lutzes. He says, here's the little story about William Weber. So William Weber, um, he represented Butch DeFeo. He wanted to do appeals. He's the one who said that Butch heard demonic voices. Mm -hmm. So he says he wanted to use this popularity of of, um, the story. So the first thing that came out was the DeFeos, or not the DeFeos, the Lutzes approached the media and had... The Warrens come. Mm-hmm. I'll speak more on that. So, Lorraine and what's his name? Ed- Lorraine Edward. Warren. He, Edward on, and Lorraine Warren. Okay, so Edward and Lorraine Laura, Warren are very famous paranormal. She's a um, she's a sensitive, a medium, a medium, and he mm-hmm. is a demonologist. Yes. So they're famous because of the Annabelle story, the doll. Mm-hmm. There is a rag doll that that movie is based on. Yes. Um, they're famous because they were on all of the ghost shows that were very popular in the early 2000s. But before that, they were even, I mean, they were very popular in the 80s and the 90s. Yes. With, um, I think they were on Donahue. Sure. They were, I think they were on, like, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Um, they were, they, but mostly what I know them from is that they did a lot of touring and talks. Mm-hmm. So when, this is a little bit of a side. Do you mind if I share no, this part please do. Okay. That's, I'm looking forward to this. So when I was in, I'll start with this part. I want this stuff to be true, okay? <laughs> I am very susceptible to getting scared by this kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I know. That's why I like horror and stuff. I like to be scared and be fun uh-huh. to an extent. To a safe extent. To a safe extent, I'm not, absolutely. Listen, I'm not playing the Ouija board. No. But this is why. Because when I was a kid, I was very involved in youth group, 6th, 7th grades through high school. I did a lot of stuff with my youth group. And there was a guy whose name was Ben Alexander. Mm-hmm. And he was a British guy. And he was old when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. He probably was like 50-something or 60-something, but he seemed very old to mm-hmm. me. And he was British. And he had been involved in the occult. And had left being in the occult and then was a, a, an occult researcher mm-hmm. and had joined this group of people to make young people know about 
The dangers. The dangers. So this is right during satanic panic. Sure. Like at the height of the satanic panic of the 80s. Right during when those boys, the Tennessee... The three, West Memphis Three. West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. Right during the height of that. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is like... I was very young. So I would say like mid-80s mm-hmm. time. He comes to speak at our youth group. And he tells a story about how... Um, if you play the Ouija board, you could die. Because what will happen is the Ouija board knows, of course, it's not the demons, whoever you're talking to, mm-hmm. knows the weakest person in the group and will go after that person and would, like, say, Tennille Bradshaw, you will die on and give a date. Mm-hmm. And so that person would become so anxious about that impending date mm-hmm. That they would end up killing themselves. Okay. Because they were so scared it was going to happen. So that's one thing he told us. So I, that put the fear right in me. Because <laughs> I was like big eyes in the front row. Like holy crap. Mm-hmm. Then he he played for us a recording. Ooh, taken All the demon at, voices. Yes. Taken at yeah. a. That was a big thing. The demon voices. What's it called? An exorcism. Yeah. Okay. Played it for us. Mm-hmm. So this guy was a an associate of Ed and Lorraine Warren. He went to my church. Mm. I would say a loose associate. Mm-hmm. Not like a close friend, but was mm-hmm. involved in this. At some point, their paths yes. had crossed. Because Ed and Lorraine Warren are demonologist researchers and mediums, but also very religious type people. Mm-hmm. And almost like... I don't know if they're Catholic. I believe they were, but, but very religious and Christian people Mm -hmm. um and so that gave them at this second just like with this guy Mm -hmm. this second air of believability Mm -hmm. okay so i remember that all the way about about hearing him Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you i as a sixth grade kid believed every word he was saying i can still remember sitting in because they held it in the cafeteria you know in in old central were you ever in old central i never went there the cafeteria used to be able to be split into with like those yeah, kind of accordion walls, doors. accordion door walls, and it was split off, and the whole youth group was in there. There was like fifty kids in there, mm-hmm. and I just remember listening to every word mm-hmm. he had to say. And it was, I was like, real scared. I came home and told my parents, like, "Oh, ma, we don't. Do we have any Ouija boards in the house? Of course, no, we didn't have any of that. <laughs> my parents are not like that at all. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, years later, I worked for a local college here, and at that time, so now I'm like twenty five. Okay. Right. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren came through because at that point, then they were touring colleges. Okay. Just kind of as like telling their experiences. Yes, but they weren't hired by. Uh, so the college that I went to, uh, that I went to and also that I worked at was loose, loosely affiliated with the Presbyterian Church. Okay. But this had nothing to do with that. They didn't come in as like part of like a scary thing. straight or anything. Mm-hmm. This was more um, student, sur- student, um, Student activities hired okay. them. Oh. It's just like a fun Halloween event. Okay. So it wasn't like to be like anything, whatever. So anyway, they came and talked, and mm-hmm. they they did not bring Annabelle, or they have a there's another doll that's actually like also scary from Key West. Okay. But they had pictures. Uh huh. And this whole doll is you can't take its picture. You better ask his permission first. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. This whole thing. And they had also the same recordings of these like demonology things. In my 25 year old eyes, mm-hmm. I was like. Uh, these people seem completely fake. Yeah. But other thing is, is they're older, mm-hmm. senior citizens, very sincere. Mm-hmm. I can see how lots of people would be fooled into their demeanor is very low key. Uh-huh. But yeah, a lot not- of people, 
I'm going to just tell you really quickly, a lot of people believe that this Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were involved in researching this house, mm-hmm. the main thing that they said they saw at this house is they saw that, they said they saw that lion come alive and walk around that house. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. And... And then the little ghost boy picture. Yes. So, just real quick, Ed and Warren, Ed Warren Miney and Lorraine Rita Warren, nay Moran, were American paranormal investigators and authors associated with prominent cases of hauntings. Edward was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author, and lecturer. Lorraine professed to be clairvoyant and a light trance medium who worked closely with her husbands. They started and founded the New England Society for Paranormal for, for psychic research, mm. the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. They wrote many books. The Warrens were among the very first investigators in the cr- controversial Amityville haunting. According to the Warrens, the NESPR, which is the New England um, Society for Psychic Research, used a variety of individuals, including medical doctors and researchers and police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in their investigations. Um and lots of their stuff have been a, in, adapted into books. But there's a skeptic. His name is Perry DeAngelis. Is that something that you talk about? I don't. Not him in particular. So Perry DeAngelis and Stephen Novella. Right at that time when they came to speak at Eckerd, this was like the time where it was all coming out that these people were researching them and, and calling that they were bullshit. So they, um, Joe Nickel and Benjamin Rafford, all these um, skeptics investigated the Warrens and concluded that the more famous hauntings like Anneville, the Snedeker family haunting, did not happen and had been invented. Mm-hmm. So if you go through all the things that they said that they investigated, so many of them, like 99% of them have been shown to be, like, fake. Debunked. And, you know, there's no way to say that a, that a medium is, or a, a, what does she call herself, a light trance clairvoyant. Mm-hmm. Um who am I to say what she feels and doesn't feel? Right. I, I wouldn't, as a person who's sensitive to that type of, I'm not a, I'm not a medium or anything, but sensitive to like weird vibes and stuff. Um, who's to say? But I feel like her husband, and I even got the vibe then, is like an opportunist. Yeah. It's like people out there most scared, something might be happening in their house, whatever's going on, whether it's like, Oftentimes, and a He's a very grabby person. Like yes, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I need to get in on. Yeah, like, and and a lot of times we, when these research start happening, they find out that there's like these electromagnetic fields because of like faulty wiring in the mm-hmm. house, even um, light fixtures that can be wrong, and you're exposed to that for a long time. You can start to see things. And blah, makes blah, blah, you blah. feel increases paranoia feeling. Right, and so they would just um, <laughs> trick people. And, and get them to, like, pay them money to come to these investigations. Mm. And then they would write books about it and then sell the book rights to movies. And they ended up making so much money mm-hmm. just based on these people. So they're both dead now, both of the Warrens. But. They are. Mm-hmm. So that is th- – those are the people that came out to Amityville. Yes. So they did take a picture of this – you can look it up. Look up the Amityville horror ghost boy picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just looks like a little boy who got some red eye in a photo. But it's a boyish face. But then they also, um, and it's creepy looking, but they also have a researcher that's with them on this investigation. He's wearing a very similar shirt, Mm -hmm. and he has a very similar hair. So they think that it's just they caught him in that picture, Mm. and they're saying that's a ghost boy. 
So, while you're looking at the ghost picture. I see it. We mm-hmm. will share this for you. Um, share this. Yeah, so you can see it. So you can see it on our thing. On I mean, Instagram. It is, is real creepy. It is creepy. But I just don't know. So, here we go. So, the eternity. Uh, eternity. The eternity. This book like is this, took, it, took an eternity. eternity. So, the attorney for um, Butch DeFeo, our murdering um, ass face, he is trying to get appeals going. Mm-hmm. And so he's really leaning into this demonic voice stuff. Mm-hmm. So he knows the Lutzes have moved into this house. So he goes, he contacts them. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this speculation on who contacted who. I think the lawyer did because... Well, um, who would it benefit? Follow yeah. the money. Yeah, follow the money. And it also, it's a win-win for them because it benefits the Lutzes as well. Because mm-hmm. they're in financial trouble. They're mm-hmm. in this house they can't afford. They need to get out of it. Right. They're not going to be able to sell it because it's the murder house. Uh, they're we'll scratch our back. You scratch right. all that. So William. We'll yeah. all scratch each other. That's right. So William Weber wanted to use his popularity of um, this murder to his advantage. He... Uh, tries to use it to open the DeFeo case. Like I said, he wants to appeal. Um, so he reached us out to the Lutz family, attempting to convince them to partner up on a book deal on the DeFeo case for a large advance. Um, he, it says um, they got together. Um, they started the quote. The big quote is that over about four bottles of wine, they hatched the story. Mm-hmm. So um the Lutz family, so DeFeo comes, uh, where am I? He often spoke with them through, though he was reluctant to work with them, but once they had heard he was planning to split the royalties with DeFeo, um, that's the Lutzes found out, which mm-hmm. I also think he found, they found out this murderer was going to get some money, but they mm-hmm. also found out they're going to have to pay this attorney and all this other stuff. Right. So Weber brings in his own writer and he's like, yeah, we'll write the story. We're going to publish it. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to make up this whole story. They make up the whole story so that it can tie into DeFeo hearing demon voices, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, So then the the Lutzes are like, yeah, this sucks, but I still want to make money off of it and get out of there. So they cut Weber out of any future deals and they're no longer on speaking terms with Weber. And so um, the writer... Um, Weber carry on by themselves. They write a whole article uh, for Good Housekeeping magazine about their Lutz's experience. And then the Lutz family sued the writer that Weber enlisted to write the book because they said citing invasion of privacy and they settled this suit in 1979. So that that fell through. So Mm -hmm. Weber's mad. So he's going to call them out and he claims it's all a lie. So he says he wants to take some credit for it too. So he says he explained the entire story was created over a bottle of wine uh, between Mr. and Mrs. Lutz, even though they claimed to have some sort of supernatural experience. It was only with his help that they started to exaggerate the details with the murder evidence that Weber was providing them. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually sued the Lutz family for $60 million, saying that they were stealing his ideas, mm-hmm. um, and they settled for 2500 that's a far cry from $60 million. Sure is. Um, so even though Williams Weber's original plan was to make a large profit, it didn't go the way he wanted to, um, and he still managed to make about $15,000 with his connections to the book and the movie. Um, the, the, the Lutzes ended up with somewhere around 300000 I think. Mm-hmm. Not a not like, and by the time they didn't really, they end up they end up closing their business. Yeah, closed their business. They moved. They moved had to, to move California. to California. 
They and were, he yeah. was trying to get a job as a air traffic controller. Their yeah. lives kind of fell apart. It really did. And they ended up divorcing mm-hmm. in the 80s. Um, it says that they still remain friends. Yeah. So How they didn't really bank on this. I know, right? Um, they didn't really make a lot of money, but it was originally that's what this plan was. Mm-hmm. So my theory. Yes, share your theory first, and then I'll share mine. Is basically um, is pretty cold. I mean, it, I just really think the Lutzes wanted more money. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to pay the attorney. They cut Weber out, and they contacted a publisher, which the publisher's name was listed. But I'm real tired, and I don't want to go through my notes. Yeah, I love it. But that's how they got connected with this author, with Jay Anson. Yeah, who had never written a book before. Nope, he's the documentary writer. So they so the publisher was Pocket Star Books, Pocket Books, a division of Simon and Schuster. Yeah, so. Yeah. They basically, um, and now I, my other theory is they might have felt some feelings. I mean, that's a dark thing that happened there. That That's what I, yeah. But they may not have. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, it says in here that the book, that the book deal, or the, the licensing was renewed, copyright renewed in 2005. Oh, okay. But I'll tell you what, this was a, sh- did you happen to notice when you were reading this book that it was a shitty printing? Yeah. That, like every fourth was page was like blurry. I know. And then I kept taking my glasses off like, is this my eyes or if this is my the brain. page? I know. Yeah. Um, oh it also says that researcher Rick Moran compiled a list of more than 100 factual errors and discrepancies between the story and the truth. Um, I mean, they still stuck to the story um, yeah, supposedly up until the, the very end. Yeah. They only relented that some of it was fabricated. But they never said that it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, you know, I mean, I just think this was a work of fiction. Yeah. That's my thought. So here was, is my thought. I think this whole thing is fake. Mm-hmm. I think that they lied their pants off. I do too. Because I think it would have been scarier if it was more subtle, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that had happened. Uh-huh. And if their Instead behavior... Instead of out of the laundry list of what do ghosts do. Yes. And if their behavior had been a little different, I thought the scariest parts was the behavior changes that can happen in yeah. people. And I thought that especially seemed... Especially when... Like, they could have totally explored that. Especially... And they... A little spoiler. They do um, explore that more in the film. Oh, okay. I think you're... Especially coming off of this... Mm-hmm. fine work here. Yes. You're going to enjoy the movie better. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So my theory is I think that places where terrible things happen mm-hmm. hold on to those dark energies. Uh-huh. And I think that there was a part of the book that said um, people can be possessed but not places. That mm-hmm. That's what the Catholic Church's stance on it was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of concur as far as I think places can hold bad juju Mm -hmm. and you know I've felt that in certain places before and whether that's just your mind being like I know something bad happened here so now I have a bad vibe or really that stuff is kind of still residually there I feel it is I feel it is because I've I've entered places where I just had an um uh an unexplainable and overwhelming desire to get out of there yes where I'm just like this place gives me something I just want to get out right I've definitely experienced that. I have too. And I and I could believe that to be true. And I've had some other experiences and people in my family have too that make me believe paranormal things, some things. Mm-hmm. I feel that these people lied and I feel what the worst part about this is that they capitalized on such a horrific tragedy. I do too. I, I mean, think that's shameful. That is so I mean, shameful. The DeFeo family, like what about that extended family? Think about this. Think yeah. think about this is your niece or nephew mm-hmm. that 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 
your stupid punk ass nephew shot your nieces and nephews, yeah. right? Terrible. And then all of a sudden, this movies and book is coming out of these people telling your family's story, right? In this bullshit way. I mean, it's just pretty and making I mean, money on it. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting to, to save their own bad bad decisions. decisions. So I think that probably. In that, I mean, that house has been owned by many other people since who have had no paranormal that's true. things. So people who have lived in that's another yes. thing that was in our research was people yeah. have reported that perfectly normal house. Yes, and there was something like in one of the um, paid chapters that talked about how like there had been like thirty five deaths in that house, but actually when you research it, there have been a total of seven deaths. One person that died in like the early nineteen hundreds of just being like sick old age and old. And sick. And then those six DeFeo family yeah, members. Yeah, that's it. And I just feel like, how can a place not have a terrible feeling when those children were mm-hmm. killed there? That's mm-hmm. some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I just feel terrible about it. Mm-hmm. But I think they lied and made up the story. And so I, I feel too. even more terrible about them. I do, too. I mean, I think that I I was thought this would... Um, be more fun, yeah. But it was a big. You know, they're bummer. not all. They're not all <laughs> going to be wins. Be. This was a big flop. <laughs> so we'll so. we'll tell you the new book. What's going to be for next uh-huh. time? Because this is going to just be. We felt like after this, we just needed something fun. Yeah, something light and fun and and, and, and I don't want to say cheese factor because I don't want to. I don't want to poo poo on Dean Koontz if people are into him. This is my f- first Eve Dean Koontz read. He's an read. easy read. Yeah, he's a good he's a good writer. Um, you can he's like one of those uh, novelists that you can just zip right through their books. They're yeah. it's just easy reading, easy reading. And I wanted that something fun, just I know. fun, something that's not so excruciating. We're reading 1983's Dean Koontz thriller, Phantoms. Uh-huh. So I'm very excited. It is another wintry book mm-hmm. in some aspects, although the beginning starts in September. But it, but it it's going it to get winter. Okay. So I'm excited for that. So tune in next week, towards the end of the week, uh, for Dean Koontz's Phantoms. And now let's talk about what's getting you through the long, dark night, Tanil. Well, I will also say, I'll tell you one thing that's good about our podcast, too, is if you may have noticed, we have not had to have a part two. <gasps> I know. This is exciting. Very exciting. We're kind of just working our way up, you guys. We're learning as we podcast. So right? We got a software upgrade, upgrade, so we don't have to chop our episodes up anymore. Yes. And then one other little thing is, don't forget, don't lose faith, because we are revisiting Carrie. Yes. We are going to do our mini-sode yes. on the movie we just had i had my big badass cold virus so yeah we, we got had a little to take bit care of that off. first that's right so we, we still have the carrie mini so coming and then we have the amityville mini so coming yes. and we're not revisiting the 2005 remake we're no. only looking at the 1970s one yeah we're only looking at the og yeah. uh classic films just because this is a vintage podcast yeah. like this is what we're into so we're, we're we've already <coughs> done carrie Excuse we just me. we're just gonna pot it this week and then we're gonna be off also potting the Amityville one. I think that'll be fun, too. It is. It's Oh, it's a good time. All right. Um, so my good things, my things that are getting me through the long, dark night are... So when I was sick with my cold, I it's either I'm going to watch Friends again, or I'm going to watch The Office, or I'm going to watch Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just really don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. I was on Netflix, and I'm like, I'm going to check. I'm like, you know, true crime is one of my jams, of course, but... I'm like, you know, I, I watch the crap out of Cold Case Files, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So in my suggested kind of things is Marcella. 
Oh, yes. I haven't watched this, but I have seen it offered to me as well. So, Marcella is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, It is uh, British, right? It is a British kind of um, crime show. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's starring Anna Friel, Mm -hmm. who was the actress who, I don't know if you remember, like, the uh, 90s show or early 2000s of... I think it's 90s. Pushing Daisies. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah. She was on that? Anna Friel was the girl that he loved, the pie maker loved, and oh, brought back to life. okay. I think she had an American accent for that Yeah, role. she did. But that's Anna Friel. And she's also been in lots of other stuff. Yeah. British. Oh, man, I forgot about that great show. Who was the main guy in that show? Um, He's been in other stuff since. Ronan from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. But his name is, oh, I almost had it. I know what it is, but yeah. it won't, it'll come to me. Um, anyway. So anyway, you're loving it. Oh, I almost it. had it again. So, yes. Yeah, so, Marcella. Mm-hmm. So, basically, she it was a stay-at-home mom. Before that, she was a detective. And she was a homicide detective. And she was particularly involved in this uh, terrible serial murder she's trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, but she takes some time off to raise her kids. Her mm-hmm. husband leaves her. Mm-hmm. She's got, like, some mental issues. She's a really hot mess. You find out more why mm-hmm. her mental state is the way it is, but she has these blackouts where she gets pushed too far, and she just rages. Mm. Rages so hard, she doesn't remember what she did. Oh, my gosh. And it's a short time. It's like a ra- like if you were to just haul off and knock the shit out of someone because you were raging. Mm-hmm. Like, she- oh, I almost did at Jack's performance last night. Yes. People there. <laughs> she rages so hard, she can't remember. Mm-hmm. She blacks it out. So that's going on. So then she's like, you know what? My husband left me. He's a big asshole. I'm going back to work. So what happens is this detective comes and says, hey, you worked on these serial murders back in 2005. Well, he's killing again. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I'll tell you all about this case. And she tells the detective. And then she's like, I'm going back to work. So she goes back to work. Um, but she keeps having these little these little blackouts. And mm-hmm. things are kind of going to shit. And it's just really, really good. The reason why it's so good is because it is a British show, but it's actually Swedish written and directed. Mm. So it gives it a different a darker feel, too. a darker, they for do sure. Their, they do their true crime and oh. their thriller so well. It is so creepy. I get, like, I get creeped out, and I mm-hmm. don't get cre- creeped out easily. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I love the mood of this show, and I love the theme song, and mm-hmm. I love Marcella, and I love her hair, and I love her clothes, and I'm super obsessed at the moment. All right, I'm going to have to give this a watch. I definitely haven't seen it. The last good thing is, the other thing is, over the Thanksgiving holiday, um, my husband, my son, and my daughter, and I, we all have Nintendo DSs. Mm-hmm. Um, two DSs, my husband has a 3DS, and we have a game called Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah. I remember that game before, when Lily was little. She used uh-huh. to like that game. I love this game. Uh-huh. We love it. Basically, over the holidays, we always get it back out, and we start playing it again. And you have your little town, you have your little avatar, and you have all your little animal friends, and you make the town happy, and you build up your house. The best part is is that you can Wi-Fi visit your other person's town. Oh, huh. So we all visit each other's towns, and we just play it together. And it's oh, like this family fun. thing we do. Yeah. Um, and that we did that over the Thanksgiving holidays, and we um, are doing it now. Like, it's just our holiday thing. I don't oh, know why, it, but it is. But that's made me feel good, playing that with my kids and my husband. And so those oh, are my like good it. things. Those are your good things. Yeah. Getting you through. They're getting me through. Okay. So what's getting me through the long, dark night? I don't know. Something that has been happening with me lately, and I think I'm not alone in this. I'm sure it's, like, obvious. But it's, like, I get a lot of Christmas anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just like. I do, too. 
I don't do shelf on the elf or what elf on the shelf no, bullshit. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have traditions that we do that are, oh, we like to do this every year or whatever. Like we watch It's Wonderful Life or, you know, different things that we mm-hmm. do. And it's not, it's not just a monetary thing. It's like, how do you pay for Christmas? Because we're not like huge extravagant gift givers. Um, but you also want to have your kids have a nice Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I just start getting, like, anxious. Like, I have to, you know, get presents, and I have to make sure everything's nice. Mm-hmm. And it just creates, like, a, a lot of anxiety for me, um, an anxiety-prone person. So some things that are helping me get through that this time of year because I'm really trying to, like, just be present and enjoy the time we have together mm-hmm. and not have everything have to be perfect. I mean, it's the same thing for me. It's something that I work through. Like, I go to therapy every week, and... One of the things that I talked with my therapist this week was the Christmas holiday is heavy sometimes, Mm -hmm. and it's the anxiety of it, and it's just the disappointment when things don't gel and come together, Mm -hmm. and just trying to release that and just be like, you know what? Yes. My house is messy. My family is messy. We're messy. We may not get the right things for Christmas. I tell my kids, like, we're going to have a great time. We always do, but, you know, maybe if you don't get that, you know expensive right. thing that you really wanted hey it's something to work toward like right. save your money you know it like, doesn't mean you're not ever gonna get it i mean my kids are 12 and 15 so i can have that conversation with right. them but like my little guy I get it. my little guy is not to the point that he i mean like he would just be happy with some lego sets and that's the an amazing age yeah it's a good age that he's at and Toys, also too yay. like he already knows not to ask for anything that is going to be more screen time because we're trying to like ease up on the screen time sure. so then that creates a lot of stuff that costs money I don't have to worry about. and I would not you know I'm not trying to be judgy but I would not buy him a phone no do I think that any seven or eight year old needs a phone no I so, think that's my opinion is the same yeah so it's not just the getting presents for people part of it is that but it's not the money part it's the mostly like picking the right things getting things shipped or you know like find you know like just it just gives me anxiety. I, I hate really and and I have a very hard time being present because I'm the kind of person that I want everything to be so great. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we're gonna go to this parade and it's gonna be awesome. And I'm bringing cocoa and I'm bringing a blanket and I want us to get there a half an hour early mm-hmm. so we get a place to sit and we do all of that and we get there for this parade and then the parade is like terrible. This yeah. is not something that happened this year. I'm no, just saying like an example. It is because those expectations. Yes, and I just want everything to be so fun for everybody and I want it, I get excited about it. Mm-hmm. The perfect example of this is when I wanted us to go to Obergatlinburg, Obergatlinburg, mm-hmm. Obergatlinburg, yeah. and we had to like go on this like pod through the sky, I which know. I'm terrified of. And I was like, oh, we're going to get up there. It's going to be so great. I'm so excited. I've been researching it for weeks and we got up there and it was like the worst. It was like flag- Wagonwood Flea Market. I know. Wagon Wheel I Flea knew. Market on the top of I a know. mountain. I went and last the, year. And it was so cold because mm-hmm. we went in the winter. Yeah. And, I w- and nothing was open. Uh-huh. It was like a sad little skating rink. I know. And my kids were not happy, and then I had to get back on that, that terrifying day. pod and take it down. So that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I just want everything to be perfect, and I'm trying to just, like, talk myself into calm down and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Just, like, enjoy the time, and don't worry that everything doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make everything, like, be, like, a big fancy deal. Mm-hmm. Just, like, enjoy it. But I have to have distractions mm-hmm. to, like, kind of get me through it. Because it's actually, like, nighttime. Mm-hmm. I get the, you, you get the scary Sundays. Do you ever go through the scary Sundays? Of the w- impending week. Yeah, so the pending week. Yeah. I really deal with the Sunday scaries, like, pr- pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So 
couple things have helped me. One thing is we gave our fridge a really good clean out. I did that recently too. So when I open the fridge, there's barely any in it. There's mm-hmm. food that I need for my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like we it just happened that we had HelloFresh last mm-hmm. week because I forgot to skip a week, honestly. And um, so we ended up with HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. So we cleaned out the fridge. So all was in there was those three Hello f- fridge, the milk, the drink, the drinks, the three mm-hmm. packages of that. And like we didn't have a lot. Of, a lot of we cleaned out the condiments. We got rid of all that. All stuff. your old ass salad dressing. <sighs> it just. How do you accumulate so much old ass oh salad dressing? God. And, and <laughs> what I noticed because we work in food service, and so do our kids. Um, we accumulate a lot of to-go boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. go out to eat too much. We're trying not to do that. And all we just have, like, so many. And my daughter is um, not a big eater, and so she'll go out to eat with her friends or her boyfriend, and then she'll bring her to-go box home, and it'll be in there for two weeks. And uh-huh. Just, like, that kind of stuff gives me a lot of anxiety when I open the fridge, and yeah. I start feeling, like, panicky. Mm-hmm. So to know that I can come home and open that fridge, and there's, like, barely anything in it but mm-hmm. what we need, and I'm just shopping for, like, the next few days – has really helped with that That's anxiety. Good. I'm very happy about mm-hmm. that. And then the second thing, something I'm consuming that will that also kind of helps me because this stuff, even though I, I'm really enjoying the podcast and I'm enjoying these books, mm-hmm. can be like a lot of, we've read some heavy stuff in a row. I know. It's like, like, I just try. It's kind of like, it's gotten a little bit, you know, it's just, it's, some of it is like a bummer. Like this DeFeo stuff, it was like a bummer. I, I know, right? That, that he... What, that he killed his family. That was just a really sad. I'm I'm glad we did this book. I'm not upset about it at all. No, but it was like heavy, you know, because sure. it was had this true component mm-hmm. behind it. So and I started I was, like fully triggered by the children and the dog beating. Like oh I really my gosh, was. it's horrible. Yeah. So I the new season. I have the Brit Box mm-hmm. and the Acorn um, the channels on my Amazon. Oh cool. So I pay a little bit for them. It's like one's like three dollars. One's like five dollars. Um, to be able to have access to all these British shows because I'm so a real great. Anglophile yeah. and I love all these British shows. Mm-hmm. So anyway, season three of Good Karma Hospital just came out, which mm. Good Karma Hospital is one of my favorite shows on there. If you watch Game of Thrones, one of the girls from Game of Thrones, um, she was the um, one of the assistants to like the dragon mother of dragons uh-huh. not the assistant with the curly hair uh-huh. but the uh, one of the other ones anyway she's indian oh, yes. i know what you mean yes yeah she is this she this she started in this long before she was in game of thrones mm-hmm. and she is a british doctor who goes to india and works at this good karma hospital okay and the other woman that runs the hospital is also a british woman but she's a white british woman and they i just love this show it just is a great gosh Brits do everything with their TV shows and I so love well. That they're just like the one of the guys that's in Marcella is the brother Targaryen to Khaleesi. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and he's really cute in real life without the hideous blonde wig. But right, right. Like there's like not a lot of British actors, and they all work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. So this was, it's just a really good show about India. First of all, I didn't know much about India, mm. and I didn't think about India being so beachy. But, of course, it is because, you know, it's surrounded by water. And this is a beach town that this good karma hospital is in. And um, it's rural. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just going through what they have to deal with with their population as far as, like, mostly poor population. And 
with the supplies that they have. It's not a mission hospital or anything. It's not. It's a city hospital. It's just a small like city. Like a country. Yeah, it's just like, and it looks like country a, place. kind of looks like a, um, the hospital itself kind of looks like a temple in, in some ways. It's oh, like kind of cool. open air kind of okay. thing. But it's it's a really neat show. I really like it. And it also is like relationship stuff and and how does the the the, doc, the main doctor that runs it, he she has like kind of a crazy boyfriend and then the doc, and then this doctor and it's just it's very that I really like fun. it. And it's just light. There is yeah. nothing about it that's going to be like too upsetting. Uh-huh. Although this season has tackled some cases that were particularly like things that have been in the news lately Mm -hmm. um and so that that has been a little bit like whoa but it's still not heavy you know so anyway that's what i'm doing to get through so that's awesome and so that's kind of why the next book or two Mm -hmm. is going to be fun fun times some cheese cheesy fun times that's what i'm here for yes me too. I'm excited about having some. So we have, I have gotten a few suggestions for us. A reader, a listener contacted me and said that they would really wish we would do some Poe. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe after we get done with our winter stuff, uh-huh. we'll, we'll, we'll visit some Poe. Okay. But that's also kind of more heavy uh-huh. and more like, you have to take the, the analysis of that a little serious. It's, it's literature yeah. versus like pulp what we're going to be reading with this Dean Koontz right so we are going to be um we'll make that a special yeah make that a special one but um I'm excited for us to have our longer format and have to not have any interruptions that's good stuff so exciting so make sure that you guys are emailing us send us your um ghost stories that turned out to be big fat fakes (laughs) right or your real ones or your real ones here for it because i have my real ones y'all we don't want to share ours until you share yours Mm -hmm. um send us your weird things you saw in a parking lot Mm -hmm. um send us your how are you getting through the holiday scaries Mm -hmm. um anything to darkness loves us pod at gmail.com yes you can find us on facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Darkness Loves Us, or you can look for DLU Pod. Both will bring us up. Yes. And we're trying to get better at the old Twitterverse. Yes. We'll, we'll, we're going to get better as far as like being a little bit more of a presence. So, yeah, yeah. look for that. Yep. And um, we're on. What's it called? We're on um, Patreon. Patreon. We have a Patreon page. We're, we're new at the Patreon thing. If you want to contribute a little bit toward our podcast, um, that Patreon allows you to do that. You just looks for Darkness Loves Us um, on there, and we're there. And what our goal is to provide some additional content mm-hmm. um, that you, if you, you know, contribute a dollar or two dollars, right. you know, you might get an extra bonus episode. You might get an extra something or other. If you right now, if you contribute a dollar, we're giving you a shout out on our podcast. That's right. Shout out on on. We'll shout you out. Um, and it helps us to get better at this podcasting right. business. <laughs> get a little, get more, get um, more, <laughs> it, more um, technology, yeah. you know, and it's just, it'll, it'll make it even better. And also tell us what kind of things you'd like to have on a Patreon. What would you like to, he- what, yeah. is there a book, you, a specific book you want us to review? Yeah. Hey, that's a Patreon thing. Is there a movie that you want us to do that's maybe not tied to a book? Yeah, sure thing. True. We'll watch it and talk yeah, about it. We're into that. So just um, hit us up and let us know what what you're thinking. And and also don't forget to share what your gateway books are. So your gateway to horror books. So talk to us because we'd love to hear from you. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Yeah.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.